It is our commitment to you to somehow, some way, provide you with a diversion during these hard times. Deliver a sense of hope, determination, and perseverance. And most of all, to entertain you and your family. April 15, 2020, a day that people will be talking about probably as long as there's pro wrestling. WWE had to make some cuts, free up some cash. And so they did probably the largest round of cuts I can ever remember. There's a lot of people I'm not going to get a chance to say goodbye to. That I really love. That I really cared about. I didn't know going to Raw, you know, this last time would be the last time for a while. I would let it soak in just a little bit more. Justification has always been that the WWE is fulfilling these television contracts. And let's never forget that the people that were at the front lines going to the greatest amount of risk, going to these shows and exposing themselves to, they didn't know. Like, for all the precautions you can take, they were putting themselves at risk. And we're about to do so weekly, and some will continue to do weekly. And their share in those television contracts is absolutely nothing. And then there's Florida. Uh, where Governor Ron DeSantis, under fire for being so slow to act his state, has decided that professional wrestling is an essential service and therefore exempt from stay-at-home workers. Obviously, WWE, there's no crowd or anything, so it's a very, very small number of people. Uh, so, so we just kind of look at it uh, on a case-by-case basis. On April 9th, Governor DeSantis declares WWE wrestlers essential workers in the state. That same day on April 9th, uh, Linda McMahon, who is the co-founder of WWE, along with her husband, Vince McMahon, and a former member of uh, Donald Trump's cabinet, she announces that her super PAC is going to be dropping $18.5 million into the state of Florida the same day. Now, why is that important? Because on April 10th, that's the day Vince McMahon decided to resume live programming. Why is that important? Because by showing live programming, he is not um, in violation of his contract with either Fox Sports or the USA Network. These contracts are worth hundreds of millions of dollars, and he's only allowed three live shows per year. And yet now he's not in violation of that contract because of this. Wait a second, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Jimmy talked to me a lot about Vince. He called him Brother Vinny. And Jimmy felt very close to Vince, and he trusted him 100%. Jimmy said to me, Vince came down with his briefcase and said to him, it's over, don't worry about it, it's done. He thought it was done. There's no transcript of the meeting. It's the only interview there's no transcript of. And then seemingly the investigation stops there. Vince McMahon would have great reason to defend Jimmy Snuka. Let's say at the time he is charged with murder in 1983. That would be a terrible thing for the WWF. Vince McMahon is a businessman, and no matter what business you're running, if one of your top employees is being investigated for murder, that's bad for business. And then today on April 15th, uh, they announced tons of layoffs from WWE, let a lot of people go, fired a lot of performers, while also announcing that their stock price had reached a good high, was on the up, and that they had $500 million in cash reserves. And let's remember that the person who's been behind all these machinations, all this quid pro quo, all this money being dropped into the state of Florida, all these machinations by Ron DeSantis, uh, this is Vince McMahon, who was just named that he's going to be on the council that's going to decide when to reopen our economy. He's on that council. Donald Trump called him the, the great, great Vince, Vince McMahon. McMahon in yesterday's press conference. And so this person who's putting his own wrestlers at risk 
because someone on his staff has the coronavirus is going to decide when it's safe for the rest of us. Hello and welcome to a special weekend edition of Spotlight Right here on Grapple. I'm Beto. I'm Joe. Hello, I'm JP. And what a fucking intro, JP. My God, you've outdone yourself <laughs> on this one. Uh, anyone got any sympathy for the devil? I haven't. Absolutely none. <laughs> Absolutely fucking none. Oh, what a, what a job you did on that one. Was that was that the uh, is that with the the furlough in as a you're not furloughed. I mean, like working from home. We're not furloughed. No, no, we're we're, we're working from home. Um, is the quote unquote on that? <laughs> in, in that, but actually, the last two weeks have technically been Easter holidays, and what a rock and roll Easter holidays they've been. Oh, I. What did you do, JP? Just sit in and put, watch, play football manager, and I'm betting that was your uh, that was your weekend. Do you know what? Since the last time we've done this, I haven't played Football Manager once. Oh, my God. Honestly, haven't played it. I just went, I need a bit of a break from this. It was getting, I, I, and I'm very glad for it because in the meantime, I've, I've sort of like spent my time doing, started on a couple of books, which is, which is good fun. One about politics, which is, uh, I know Joe would particularly enjoy it. Um, very, very good. About performative socialism. And things like that. It's kind oh, of what yeah. we. What's, what's the book? Uh, it's by a guy called David Swift. Um, okay. I'm trying to think of the name of it. Um, if you just bear with me a second, I'll have a look. But you'd absolutely, yeah, you'd love it. It's about performative socialism and about people who. It, it's about it's about their identity, ra- fighting an identity politics oh, okay. rather than the real politics. Oh, okay. And, and maybe I'll does, take that off you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You'll be able to for that. Yeah, left-wing hobbyists and performative <laughs> socialism. A left oh, for that, itself. That sounds right up my street. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> very much so. You can have it from me. I'll be. It'll be done in a week. We can even do it in a. If you if you cycle around this way, Joe, we can even do it in in some sort of. I'm sure we can work out an exchange of it. You could chuck be... out your window to me, and yeah, you know, you see if you're as good a shot as I was on Daniel Bryan all them years ago. <laughs> wow. Yes. Oh. And what a podcast that was, lads. Oh, I had a hell of a time. Absolutely. Fantastic. Yeah, this was uh, me and... Uh, it's been a while since I've spoken to you, Joe, but yeah, well, two days ago now. <laughs> we <don't, laughs> spoke long enough, didn't we? Yeah. If, if, to be honest, it feels like a week ago now, like with the way this week's gone and the insane news week it's been. But I remember as we started that thing, I remember thinking, oh, God, this fucking... News. I, was, I was in a bad mood because of the news, not going to lie, and we, we put it off. Because we were going to record Wednesday, as we said on the podcast, and we didn't because all this horrific news was breaking. And then I literally went from being possibly in the worst mood I've ever been at the start of a podcast to in the best mood I've ever been at the end of a podcast. Three old men telling war stories. That's what me and James did on uh, on BWE this week, talking Unified. It was fucking like one in the morning by the time we were done. I think I was up most of the night. I was still buzzing after that one. Bring oh, back loads yeah. of great memories. I was exactly the same, mate. I couldn't sleep. Like I was on a real high and we finished, and I, I, I had to have a beer after we finished to try and calm <laughs> myself down a little bit, which is weird. Uh, and then went to bed, laid there for about two hours, tossing and turning. Uh, I think the adrenaline was still flowing. I had a terrible night's sleep and felt terrible all day yesterday, but you know it was worth it because I had a great time actually recording it. And the feedback that we've got for the episode so far, from what I've seen, has been really really positive so thank you to everyone who listened to it and yeah it's given their feedback so far made up with it 
That's it. We went, went three and a half hours and we easily could have gone five. Like <laughs> Flew by. Yeah. If we like, when, when you said we've been recording like two and a half hours, like mm. where the fuck has that time gone? <laughs> well, I went on an absolutely epic walk. I think I might have said before, there's a golf course near me mm. where there's just obviously no one's playing golf and not many people are using it. So it's just like kind of doing a couple of laps of that. And yeah, it was so easy to kind of slip into that period of time mm. um, with all the various stories of how you were getting there as well. It's kind of, I, I'd said to you just before we recorded, it's the definitive kind of show on on Unified, certainly. It oh. kind of, because yeah, you all three of you being there as well at a very, very different time. And Joe, like you say, I, I don't know how your bottle throwing skills are <laughs> these days. I've seen them up close in the flesh. I'll have to get you a bin next time. Next time you're at mine, so you can just sort of flick one in. But um, <laughs> get the practice up. Um, I'm trying to think who you could do that. Get Pete Dunne. <laughs> Pete Dunne. Yeah, you're not going to see him on a show anytime soon. But it's not the way, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because Pete Dunne knows the way, and you know he's guiding the entire of you know all of NXT UK in the right way because they're all getting really far with their careers uh, in NXT UK was, aren't they I was going to say Joe like chances are you're not going to see Pete Dunne on a live show anytime soon but actually <laughs> <laughs> there's a chance I'm just saying uh, but yeah well, I don't think we even like on that ROH thing I don't think we even scratched the surface Joe like on there's so much more that we could say as well you know just about that period in time and like how attached we were to it and how much like we loved that promotion at the time like every, like I, I like we said on that podcast, like I feel like I'm, the way maybe we weren't quite as bad, but like Jamesy said, the way that we maybe view some of the progress fans, hundred percent was uh, <laughs> was my mindset back then. I felt myself slipping back into it even doing the podcast, but I don't know, just everything about that era, Ring of Honor, the the aesthetic of it, the the music of the wrestlers, the attachment to the lower card guys. It was yeah, it was a time and place that it was it was just great being able to revisit, and I think yeah, we'll uh, we'll have to do that again soon because yeah, it felt good to go back to those. Those, uh, those those days oh yeah i think i think i'd be up for some more old ring of honor podcasts um maybe not uh, i don't know if i could watch full shows because yeah the undercard, undercard was tough on it uh, but some of them like i think for me like you say about the progress comparisons i think the guys on the undercard and ring of honor are better than the guys in the undercard in progress for many years but i also think ring of honor is a company during that period that's remembered for creating great wrestlers giving them a platform but also giving them a platform to have really great feuds to further themselves as well so i just think of the amount of great feuds that went on Mm. in ring of honor during those kind of golden years and let's think of great feuds in progress there's one yeah and they like to go back to it whenever they can and live off it still Mm. and there's been no other really great great feud in progress at any point so i always think the stuff that people who are you know these progress hangers on are hanging on to there's not a lot of substance there whereas i think with ring of honor there was a lot of substance there but also benno we weren't you know getting on a high horse if someone said that gay booked something badly you know what (laughs) i mean like I think we were willing to sort of dish the criticism out where necessary, whereas, you know, I never thought that Gabe was my friend, whereas I think most of the progress hardcores are convinced that Jim Smallman might pop round their house sometime and, you know, (laughs) 
have a bite, have a vegan bite to eat of them, as he likes to tell everyone about. Probably some almond milk or something, you know, getting on the 40, got to find a way to keep cool and down with the kids. And I suppose that's fashionable for old Jim. So he might pop around a vegan's house sometime soon. Nothing against veganism, by the way. Sounds like I have, but really haven't. Um, whereas, you know, you shared a car with Gabe once, but you didn't leave say. the car thinking, oh, my best friend Gabe, did you? <laughs> And especially after that journey, like I said on the podcast, where he's giving me a trip around Philadelphia and just pointing out the window at Landmarks. Uh, I remember like, he was asking me, what was he asking me? He was asking me about like, whether, whether Power Slam was a big deal in the UK, and he was asking me about the wrestling channel and stuff. Maybe I should have tried to be his best mate. Maybe I could have uh, could have had it in there. Maybe I could be working for WWE now as well. I could have been his like, little British scout or something like that. Oh, what a missed opportunity. What? Would you want to work for that company right now this week? <laughs> you Good and place. Brookside fighting for top uh, top scouts. <laughs> <laughs> top Everton fan. Exactly. Oh, yeah. You could be a new version of that. What is that tag team? Was it the likely lads or something? The, the lovely lads. lads. <laughs> it? There you go. Yeah. yeah you could have been his Sid, Sid Scala, mate. That could have been you. <laughs> or uh, it's Frankie Sloan. No, I left that to Frankie. Yeah. I left, left Frankie yeah, take that role. Fucking hell. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm I know say, what a big fan of Frankie Sloan's you are, Benno. I'll, I'll be honest, mate. Even in my day, I was a horrific pro wrestler and I had a horrific look. But my luck was better than Robert Brookside's. I think that's fair to say, but based on watching that. Have you seen any of the show back, JB? Did you watch some of it? Did you get as far as that match? I know you were trying to watch some of it this week in conjunction with the podcast. Yeah, there's bits of it. So I watched the main event, obviously. And to echo your thoughts and to echo, I have to say what Alan Farrell said um, this week on Twitter. It was, It felt like it was the most definitive breakdown of a match that I'd ever listened to. And having watched that match and then listened to the podcast has made me want to actually go back and watch it again for things that I would have missed that first time round. But I agree with you guys. It was actually kind of a, an outstanding five stars. I was very curious though. Were you two booing the kids? I was. I've got to be honest. You were booing the kids. I was booing Joe? the kids. Uh, no. Oh, you weren't okay. for that. Oh, okay. No. Because I, I tried. I don't know. I, I can't remember. <laughs> watching in an ironic context that Chad Collier... Um, Robbie Brookside match, and, yeah, and with, and with the video quality as well, like it's like fucking hell. It it feels like war. I don't know, watching some awful USWA match <laughs> that's taking place in Liverpool in the mid two thousands. You'd rather a bit of Chris Adams and Jeff Gaylor. Oh yeah, exactly. Give me Eric Embry anytime. <laughs> and I don't mind, like you guys. I don't mind Chad Collier. You all right? Yeah, he's fine. He filled the role. He, like I said on the part, he was, he's in a, you know, uh, who, who was he like? Like Matt Stryker, you know, Joe Walters, that kind of like mm. mid-card, maybe not the most charismatic, probably lower mid-card kind of acts. He had the role on the shows. I remember Walters because then he had a gimmick a few, not oh, that long ago. He had a very Trump he? gimmick, didn't he? Very Trump gimmick. Yeah, mm. he did. Um, and it was like a very, uh, might have been very Tea Party gimmick at the time. It was all kind of based on the the... Um, governor of Arizona, I think Jan Brewer. Anyway, I was wondering, but also, were you two ever at the same show in the States? No, it, no, no, never the case. The oh, okay. shows I would have gone to in the US would have been after the that. mania shows of 2008. And oh. then I was there, I was living there 2009. So I went to quite a, well, how many did I go to then? I went to a few shows in 2009 when they were sort of in the area I was living in. So, mm. no, I don't think you've been to the US since 2006, have you, Benno? No, that was my last trip, that WrestleMania trip uh, and that whole period. Like, that's the thing, like, that's what's so perfect about Unified because I almost walked away from doing that review with, like, a little bit of sadness because, to me, that was, like, 
I don't know if the peak of my Ring of Honor fandom is the right way of putting it, because it was kind of downhill from there for me. And it was like, for me, the peak was, well, my, my obsessive fandom was like tail end of 2003, 2004, 5 and 6. And yeah, it's 2005 and early 2006 when I did most of the uh, the trips that I did out there. And then we kind of, it was almost like a hand, it was like a passing of the torch, Joe, almost like I handed the baton <laughs> off to you. <laughs> I should have gave you oh. the tracksuit after all that, not Chris. Uh, I've got to say, Bello, when I went to the show in 2000... Passed on like his Ribera Steakhouse jacket. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be up for that. Yeah. But it was I was kind of on the outs of Ring of Honor by the time I saw shows out in the Ring of Honor shows out in the US. Like mm. I think the show that I went to over Mania weekend in two thousand eight was the last show I watched for a long time. Uh and then the shows I went to in two thousand nine, it was because I was a wrestling fan and I was in the area where the shows were taking place in. I knew what was going on in the promotion. I'd still look at results, but I wasn't. I wasn't really invested by that mm. point. Uh, like two thousand, yeah, late two thousand seven, early two thousand eight was it for me. Um, I I didn't like the age of the full storyline. It got off to an explosive start, but it just felt like a mess. It felt really indulgent. It didn't feel like it was going anywhere. Um, and then Adam Pierce, I think, was just an absolutely terrible booker. Mm. Like I said, think about Jerry Lynn in the in the Randy yeah. the Ram from the wrestler role. Like what an awful casting choice they had for that. Like I think they that sort of shows a complete misreading of what the wrestler is as a film that you select Jerry Lynn for that mm. role. Um, um, yeah, that uh, that really put me off. I was proper on the outs at that point. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, it's like a misreading of the room. I thought like that whole Adam Pearce, Jim Cornette. It was just like Cornette's idea of like keeping it a work rate promotion was to bring in the world's greatest tag team. You know, people like that. That was like his. A lot of Unger go really fucking hard with Davy Richards, which we uh, gave a rightful slaughter mm. into on, on uh, Friday as well. Oh yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's just there. Uh, that's that is it. That that's the point where I was even only even not even half paying attention to be honest. It was just the glory days were gone to be honest. And that's the depressing thing because we did we did the podcast. And I've had loads of people send me messages or replies going, where can I watch this show? And it's like, well, if you go on the Ring of Honor, like, on-demand service, they have, they have the first year, which is ropey as fuck. Then there's a gap. And then I think the VOD starts up again in 2009. So it's like you've literally missed out the wow. entire glory period. I think there's odd shows somewhere, but that's it. Uh-huh. They've, got, they've gotten better since the Marty Scale like, days. They've started putting, like... Uh, match collections up on YouTube, especially in the last few weeks or so. Like, there's a Danielson collection, and there's, like, a Punk one. I think there's a Joe one as well. And you get some of the big matches. But talk about, like, you know, the, just the entire wrong ends of the year of Ring of Honor. The ter- Not the terrible first year, but the first year where they hadn't quite grasped what they were. Um, and there's some great stuff in 2002, but, you know, there's some ropey stuff on there as well, including, like, the, the opening. The basketball hoop. Sort yeah, of basketball hoop here, yeah, with, like, the... the Murphy Rex Centre. Yeah, and the, yeah. the opening gay bashing angle and, you know, some great scrambles that i'm really into and some great low-key stuff but some other not so great stuff too and then yeah there's just a big gap in the middle and it's just like yeah that's the in the, in these times where people are looking for stuff to watch and, and garrett's doing the lord's work and put all putting all this classic mm. stuff on the uh on the grapple app it's actually quite hard to it unless you find a dodgy means to get your hands on all that stuff from that era so god help you jp if you decide to do a watch along well, it's funny because I, I am actually trying to go back. I've, one of the things I'm, I'm getting sort of stuck into at the minute is the CZ, CZW Ring of, um, Ring of Honor feud, which would have been just before Unified, wouldn't it? It would have been just a, a would have ended what sort of six, seven months before Unified. 
Um, it, it kind of nah, it finished about a month before. Yeah, oh, sorry, was it, it yeah. a month before they get? It was about up. a month or two before. Yeah, like when Hero turned up, it was uh, unified. It was like fresh off the CZW feud. I think the CZW ah. finished in like maybe June. Yeah, I want right. to say of that year of 2006. It was like a leftover. Yeah, I haven't watched the Hero match honest. from Unified yet. Um, I've you gone back to... watching those. There's loads of stuff from that era that I haven't seen. But I know when they brought out their public statement recently about what they're going to be doing over the this period of time they said they are going to be looking at restructuring and various other things like that and surely this should be top of the agenda because their back catalogue is something it i mean wwe obviously would if they decided to sell it it's worth so much to them no oh, yeah. i mean so so they have all this stuff in in the bag of and you talk about like early on like the sort of influences on the industry it's you know it's ridiculous. Daniel Bryan being sort of the absolute case in point of that, mm. um, of sort of ring of ring of honor fans sort of being like 10 years ahead of as much as anything. Um, uh, and you have all this sort of back catalog. Why wouldn't you be doing it? Why wouldn't you be plugging the hell out of it and saying, we've got Brian Danielson on all of these. There's no copyright on that. There's crazy. You're not going to get in trouble with WWE. They should be sort of shouting it from the rooftops. Makes no sense. You also know that Marty's a massive fan of this mm. era as well. Yeah. Like, I've, I've no doubt that he was like me and Benno at this point in time when it came to following Ring of Honor. I've heard Andy Quilden talk about it before. Andy Quilden's at the bloody ring throughout the, throughout the yeah, show. He's not the only one. Referee and yeah. matches. Like, yeah. And Taz. Yeah, yeah. It's weird, isn't it, that you've got Taz from WXW there, Andy Quilden, uh, Mr. Rev Pro, you know, like think about their positions in the current independent wrestling landscape over the last few years. Mm. Feels like quite an influential show, this one, in terms of sort of what wrestling became and just tracing the directions that people went off in is kind of fascinating as well to some degree. But yeah, young Andy Quilden and, and young Taz. It's a shame there was never more of a WXW Rev Pro crossover. I had no idea Taz was the ref. He's the ref for the main, isn't he, for, for Nigel and yeah, Brian, yeah. until you and Jamesy pointed it out the, the next day. I had no idea. With his dodgy goatee, I had no idea. Yeah, fuck me. Like, that's the thing. It's like, the, both from a wrestling point of view, from the referees, from the wrestlers who were probably backstage to the fans in the, in, in the building. Yeah, I can't think of like a, a more influential show. Where were you, JP? Well, why didn't you make the trip? We could, we could have met 14 years ago and our lives could have been so different, uh, JP. I'm so sad. My second, I would have been expecting my, um, my second son ah, to be that explains at it. that point in time. Yeah. Yeah, couldn't really get got out for that one. <laughs> Don't mind me. Um, I'm about to head. I'm about to head off to uh, to Liverpool for the weekend to watch Ring of Honor. Did you know Ring this was Honor. going on at the time, though? I would have been aware of it primarily through sort of things like Power Slam, still, mm. and and of, and obviously the internet. I would have been aware of it, um, but it wouldn't. I wouldn't have thought of going to the show. That would have made any sense, and it just would have been that particular point in time because my other son would have been less than two. So it's just like, yeah, I wouldn't have been. There's no way at that point in time getting time off was was very very difficult. Oh well, if you if you do want to go back and watch yeah. it, JP, you know a guy who knows a guy who might have oh, a hard, yeah. might have a hard drive somewhere with uh, every show up till 2008. So you know you can always uh, throw a shout <laughs> out. It's my equivalent of the JP drive though. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll be your pusher, mate. 
you you're, you already have done mate yeah it helped out very much on that one i uh, got you back um but yeah well what uh, you guys been up to anything else this week or is it just the all-encompassing news going on uh, everyone held up okay how's your hair doing joe have you uh, have you took the clippers out yet i was wondering oh, about no, that it's an absolute absolute <laughs> stuff like, absolute fucking mess like the person next door to me that person who like hates me who just won't speak to me. I poked my head out the window the other day and we made eye contact. He was in his garden having a fag. Honestly, those hot days when I had the door open here, man, fucking fags, that family smoked. Like, it's like, like they want to smoke out my bloody out. I hate smoking and I hate the smell of smoke. And oh, I, I washing was out of the line one day when I got the washing in. Stunk of bloody smoke, bed sheets and everything. I just went back through the wash as a result of it. Like there was ever a time to quit the fan because I go out the back or get on the vaping. Do it now. Anyway, there's my, uh, you know, moralizing and judgment over smokers. Um, but. <laughs> Anyway, uh, yeah, me and him made weird eye contact yesterday. So he shaved his head, and I was like, oh, he looks like a right twat. Kind of put me off, to be honest. Um, yeah, I, could, I probably should do it, but oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to look like a neo Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've, I've ordered the Clippers, I've got to be honest. There was a point last weekend where, oh. during the long bank holiday weekend, where I was just like a hermit in the house. And I'd, I ordered like a, I ordered a takeaway from what was quote-unquote my local Chinese. And then they rang me about half an hour later going, oh yeah, um, we haven't really got the delivery driver, so it's going to take three and a half hours. Do you want to come and collect it? <laughs> and I remember just thinking, oh, I really don't want to leave the house right now. People see like the state of me. But I decided, I thought, well, you know, I've had, I've had the, I'm pretty sure I've had the disease. I wouldn't say I'm immune, but the chances of me getting it again feel low. I'll venture out and I'll go and get it. But yeah, part of me was like, oh, I don't really want people to see me uh, in this current state. And I'm a week ahead of that now, so I'm even worse. But, oh, that was bad, though. Like, going to that takeaway, honest to God, I got there. And it was, you know, you talk about, like, I complain about being a key worker and, you know, being dragged into an office and that being dangerous. I went to this local takeaway and honestly, it was the size of like, you know, your normal kind of takeaway little building. And behind, behind the, the counter, I would say there was probably about eight fellas working there. Like half of them, half of them had masks on, half of them didn't, all on top of each other. And but they, they had like a sign on the door saying um, only one customer and at once. So well, at least at least that's called comfort. I'll kind of stand at a distance and and ask for me food. And as I was standing by the door, some scally woman had dressed head to toe in pajamas, <laughs> which is a very very Liverpool thing. I've seen plenty of that around my house while I've been going for walks. Just pushed past me into the shop, and I was just like, what? "If I haven't caught it already, I feel like I'm either going to catch it from this food or I'm going to catch it from this woman." Like, yeah, social distancing isn't a thing, like especially. Around mine, I went for a I went for a walk around um, Stanley Park last week and like did like a lap around Goodison and Anfield, which are just really sleepy and dead right now, which was interesting. But there were loads of people out, like loads of like you know little families who live by me, kind of sitting out at the front talking to the neighbours right up close. Loads of kids out in gangs. I just don't think the message is uh, is getting through in a quote unquote character. That worries me because I've seen it. <laughs> Like, I, I'm not entirely surprised. Having been to yours, I'm kind of, when you said that, like, I think I think I saw a couple of people when I was staying at yours who were wearing pyjamas anyway. Yeah, it's a thing. They were walking around. I thought, yeah, that's all right. And I've seen a couple of people doing that here as well. Um, whenever, I've, whenever I've gone out, there's the odd couple of people and flip-flops and the rest of it. I, I it's, yeah, I, I worry that the message isn't getting in. And I know, obviously, we're going to end up going on to a massive, deep dive that's going to involve sort of politics as well but 
I'm not too sure if you guys have heard about any of these kind of protests that have been going on in the States about people oh, like that's hilarious. Ah, uh, crazy. And there was that photo, which will become iconic of all of these people like banging on the houses of the, one of the state buildings. It might have been in Michigan. All on top of each um, other. All on top of each other. And it looked like something from Dawn of the Dead. Mm. What? It, I haven't seen Was this today? I haven't seen this. This it's, is earlier in the week. There, there are protests. I, I missed this. Yeah. What, what Trump's, was it? Trump's encouraging them as well. Yeah, Trump's yep. been going on Twitter and taking, telling these people to take their states back, like three of the states. Yeah, there. I've, I've, seen, I've seen that. Oh, it's the, it's those people. That's who we're talking about. Yeah, um, right. I've not oh. seen the picture. Mate, they're all out there in, like, in guns and like in fatigues. You know the whole "don't tread on me" type stuff. It's it's like we were we were talking about how good the Briscoes looking a Confederate fag on that ROH podcast. These people don't quite pull that look off just as well. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah. The whole American response to it, and we're going to get into that, aren't we, in a minute? But to talk about a country that cannot take a look at itself, and you know, it's not the whole country, but a certain part of the country and a certain type of person it's absolutely shocking like i just don't understand what and how they think this is going to end it's like they're trying to force it to end without kind of realizing what this is at times like this you know i'm not saying our response has been great by any means but at least i'm not over there because it looks genuinely scary at the moment Mm. my sister is over there and it's and she's finding it terrifying, and it's entirely dependent on governors. We're going to talk about one in particular, um, but <laughs> it, everything is entirely dependent on governors. So some of the governors are having to join up together because there is no federal response because he Trump wants all of the credit, but doesn't want to take any of the responsibility. So anything that he deems to be good news, and if you see the hear the way he talks about things, he talks about people as numbers, and I want the numbers to stay low. Oh, and the way he talks to journalists at those daily press conferences yeah. as well. It's just... It's about him. It's their fault, Joe. That's all there is. It's the journalist's fault. It's the, uh, the haters' fault. Oh, but fault. the way he was sort of going... Up, uh, I'm mm. trying to think of who the journalist was. I don't know if it was a CNN journalist. No, was CBS. Like, Paula Reed. Oh, like. that was vile. Mm. Like, absolutely shocking. Like She was does... great, though. She just kind of... She was like, there's a month missing off. from your video there, mate. Like, uh, yeah. Do you want to explain what you did in that month when you didn't do anything after you shut the borders to China? Do you want to talk about that? He played golf at least five times. <laughs> um, he had about five or six campaign rallies. Um... And he watches telly. Oh, it's amazing! Isn't it, it just doesn't reassure anyone. Do you know what I mean? It, it like it's it's stoking division at a time where there should be some form of unity. Like just the entire response is just ah, oh, I don't know. Like I, I'm, I'm no fan of Boris Johnson, put it that mm. way. But fuck me. He, it can put him against Trump in this. He, he ain't half looked all right. Yeah, no. And could you? Does it surprise you in any way that Trump's best mate to Vince McMahon? Like when, when you describe him like uh, that, like it's amazing. There's so many parallels, like even down to like I, I know you saw before Joe Road Dog defending it on the, the whole. The oh fucking... my, that Sami Zayn Road Dog exchange that oh. was absolutely shocking. Like I hope Sami Zayn is looking to get fired, and I hope that was his what his attempt was yeah. there because yeah. I was like, well, yeah, he's right. The Road Dog like has no credibility with me anyway. That's he blocked his... us both on Twitter, mate. Yeah, he's an absolute fucking joke <laughs> of a man. Like, I'm not on Twitter, Benno, so I'm not I'm not overly bothered about the blocking. I found it hilarious. <laughs> but you see some of his tweets and some of the shitey 
posts out, you know, like, oh, he's probably going to be all right because every day he makes a post about God. So, you know, because he loves God, I'm sure he's going to be fine because God's looking over him because, you know, God, if he exists, has caused a global pandemic right now. So he must really care about people. What a top bloke he is or female. I don't know what he is. Or as Alan Partridge once said, God is a gas. <laughs> uh, I'm talking out of bollocks. Here, well, to, to explain what that, what that was, like, bro, basically, Sami Zayn did the post. They'd be like calling out the, the the Trump tweets and the insane people taking to the streets and made some some crack about them um, wanting to be in a packed TGI Fridays or something like that, rather than actually fight this disease. And that was the bit that Road Dog got wound up. Like, well, I like TGI Fridays, and I'm an American. It's <laughs> just like fucking hell. Like, if that doesn't like tell you that the right left wing divide in America, uh, I don't know what would. But it's, he's also like taken like the wrong angle from the conversation. Mm. But it's like he's taken one thing from the conversation and he's tried to show show Sammy Zane to be some like idiot young guy who's thinking in the wrong way, mm. while completely missing the point that Sammy Zane is trying to make. Like he's an absolute fucking imbecile. Is the road dog, and this is a man who is in quite a prominent and influential position in the WWE right now. Like, I don't know if he's trying to imp- impress his ridiculously dumb fucking evil <laughs> employers or what here, but what an ab- absolute fucking idiot he is. Like I'm getting angry. Tweet back now in the screenshot you said. I think it was you said it to be Benno. Mm. And oh, just what an absolute fucking moron. Like, if it sums up, so, like, uh, the problem with the response in that country, the road dog has done that. It... Oh? to his own and he doesn't want to listen to logic. He just wants to throw out empty statements that make him look like a good patriot. Amazing. Joe, you got you, you got so wound up yeah. then that I think you broke the stream there. Skype kind of died <laughs> down a little bit there during your rants. We got the most of it though, didn't we, Jason? Did it? <laughs> I, I heard it. Oh, it, was, it. It was good. He's building up. <laughs> this, is, this is a warm-up really, isn't it, at this point? Uh, should we use this rhythm to get going? Because, like, you know, Road Dog's not the only fucking idiot on Twitter this week. There's, oh. <laughs> there's Seth Rollins out there as well. Uh, I don't know. Is, it, is this where we get into it? Because yeah, we we had we had a bit of a go, didn't we, on the on BWE Joe, and took up the first hour doing it. But yeah, this is probably the the real opportunity to do it. Uh, fuck me, what a what a week! People like Seth Rollins just make my blood boil and make it even worse. Like just again, what a week, JP. Yeah, and I was wondering. I mean, Joe said something at the start of the um, podcast when he did it on on BWE where he said, is this the worst week ever? Um, uh, in some ways, I've got to think, yeah, given the position that they're in financially and how profitable they are, to do something like this at a moment like that, after putting everyone at risk and then trying to effectively bribe a... Um, a I mean, that's really what it is with the, with the, with the super PAC stuff. They are just when you think they can't do any worse. Mm. And we, I, you know, in some way, I know you said there was a labor of hate that first hour. I kind of like slagging them off. Uh. I won't lie. I, I've, I, I enjoy it. Um, I like to think at times Joe enjoys it more than me, but it's, it's, it's good fun either way. Um, I think, I think we all get a kick out of it. And this one is talk about shooting fish in the barrel. Like the fish has got its fucking gob around the gun at this point because 
shitting on them for this week for all of their behavior i i look at it and i just think this is a company that deserves to go up that deserves all of the shit things that are going to happen to it and i know there's that this is like a kind of summary point of all of the things they do the way that company is run the logic around it they are a relic hopefully of an old world that is still trying to somehow weirdly think that the world is going to go back to how it is and it isn't and and we've said it a couple of times you really see who people are in this global pandemic pandemic and in this case you're really seeing who vince mcmahon is and you're really seeing fundamentally where they are and where they are is the money's mine and we're going to maintain that we're going to hit the same profitability that they always are going to do and they don't care how they do it or who they hurt along the way Record profitability at that. Like, did they yep. make no mistake? Do, do, for anyone who wants to defend them, I think, oh, there's loads of loads of businesses are making cuts this week. Like, one, isn't it weird that the, the most successful, most profitable wrestling company is the first wrestling company to do this? I'm sure there'll be others that'll follow them. But for, for, for probably more justifiable reasons than this, this isn't that, though. This is, like you said, JP, this is a company. Like, if anyone doesn't follow WrestleNomics, follow WrestleNomics. Yeah. Listen to the WrestleNomics podcast. You know, this isn't, like, some kind of melter bias I've seen, I've seen it painted as. Like, follow that. Follow the numbers. WWE this year are on course for, for literally their record profit year. Now, obviously... Things are a little bit up in the in the air, you know. They're not running live shows. You take a bit of merch out, but Brandon Howard ran those numbers, and even if you take those numbers away, they're still wildly profitable. Still likely to to break a load of records. I think I think the difference it'd be painted that I think based on like some of the estimates I've seen him do and, and Meltzer's do do they're gonna save like a million a month on these wrestler contracts. They've claimed four million in their own like press release, but I think the real number is somewhere close to that. At least for like. The money they're saving on these wages, you can do the math yourself. You can work it out. So a lot of this information is public, and you know it's it's purely so that you know Vince has good news to tell the the well quote unquote good news to say on the the uh, investor call next week. They literally did a dividend for for like for for people uh, for, for stockholders this week. I think Vince McMahon himself made about four million off that. You know, yeah. <laughs> we're talking about scrimping and saving a million in people's wages during a global pandemic when they've got nowhere else to work, and Vince is walking away with that money. Never mind the tens of millions that he wasted on WWE. This is not like other businesses. XFL, like, man. Yeah. XFL. Sorry, this is not like other businesses who are gonna. You know, smaller companies might have to, you know, struggle to break even or, or they might be losing money and they end up having to sack people. That's terrible too, especially when they've got millionaire and billionaire owners. But when it's a company that's going to make profit despite themselves, regardless, that's why it's 20 times worse. And it's just like, I think we probably should have expected, I saw Garrett say that on Twitter, we probably should expect this behavior from Vince McMahon and WWE, but... To me, it doesn't make it any less shocking. It's just, oh, it's just disgusting. And it's like, we follow the shittiest industry. Like, I made that joke this week. We should all just go and find a better hobby because 
God, it's dirty. When Ring of Honor and New Japan are making, especially Ring of Honor of all companies, are making WWE look good with the the way they're looking mm. after their workers. Like, what does that fucking tell you? But no, let's just put that into perspective for a second. So I get what you're saying about, you know, it's kind of shameful in a way. And this week uh, in my group chat of all of my mates from sort of school and college, Vince McMahon being appointed to this, uh, you know, road back to economic recovery committee or whatever was mentioned. And mm. like if my mates, like my mates from school and college who hate wrestling and took the piss out of me for years and still do now for watching wrestling are picking up on this, you know, it's breaking publicly to some degree. But just to give it some perspective, it's WWE that's fucking vile. Mm. Ring of Honor, New Japan, AEW haven't done amazing during this because I, th- I think still running shows is a bad thing. But they've not let anyone go. And they've been all right with wrestlers not having to travel if they're, you know, in certain areas and stuff. So there's a, it's something there at least that isn't WWE. But I think it's m- the sort of mainstream American industry that we should feel ashamed of. Outside of that, I think, you know, we should really commend New Japan for the job they've done. Yeah, that's true. We should really commend Ring of Honor. Like, they've done a good job. It's just the company that is run by a relic of an alpha idiot that we should feel absolutely ashamed of because it's embarrassing to it should be embarrassing to himself but he won't be embarrassed by it at all no. but it's embarrassing to every single person who considers himself a wrestling fan and unfortunately i was in a quiz with uh, my girlfriend's mates before i came to do this podcast this evening and there was a point where someone said oh question for you joe um and it was like the sport, world wrestling entertainment. And I just I just started shaking my eggs. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, just the, the, the just the phrasing of that question and what that says about how people view wrestling. Uh, when people know that I'm a wrestling fan, they think, you know, WWE. And that's fucking embarrassing, especially when there's shit like this going on. But I just want to say as well, I honestly think, right, we've got this global pandemic mm. that is, you know, sweeping the world right now. And, you know, it's infecting people. But you know what I honestly think the most worrying infection outside of the coronavirus really is in the US right now? Go on. No, go on. Toxic alpha maleism like alpha males fit in the, in that country and to some extent in this country but not i haven't had so much impact but alpha males in that country who feel like they've run the fucking world and have run their industries and their businesses how they wanted to run them without very little interference for years and years and years cannot adapt and cannot change while a global pandemic is sweeping the world And unfortunately, we've got a president who has come from a business background and is very much at the same sort of existence and who is enabling the likes of Vince, the likes of Dana White to act and behave in the way they are. And this toxic alpha maleism, this macho vain bollocks where they make everything about themselves and they take no care in others and they unite no one and make people's lives harder to get what they want that's fucking dangerous Mm. that is really really dangerous the amount of people that trump has endangered without his kind of federal response in the u.s and how he's tried to devolve everything and put on the individual governors but then various governors that are clearly in his pocket like this ron DeSantis cunt Oh, that yeah. doesn't help things, does it? And then you've got the likes of Vince expecting people to go to work 
not helping the wrestlers. He's also making people's lives a fucking misery by laying them off so that he can look good at a fucking investor's call. You've got Dana White doing what he's doing as well. Honestly, alpha males, like an alpha maleism is a fucking disease and it's fucking toxic. And I sound like I'm a feminist or something here. I suppose I am to some degree. But honestly, these alpha males who have responded in this way have been the fucking worst. I don't see any female response like this. I've seen Stephanie McMahon tweet in some absolute oh. fucking company corporate yeah. bullshit. But this is a male-based problem. And it is absolutely vile. Look at, in this country, look at Mike Ashley this week, right? Tim Martin's been bad enough of his response at Weatherspoons. There's the whole thing of Richard Branson and that um, Virgin, Virgin being yeah. to that running 5K thing that's going around Instagram and making a profit from that. That's bad. Mike Ashley selling Newcastle to the Saudis, or I don't know if that deal's gone through yet. That's fucking bad, especially during a global pandemic. But honestly, this fucking alpha male bullshit that exists within a minority but is still in existence needs to fucking die because it unites no one and it's about the individual basically measuring his cock against everyone else to make himself feel better because they're ultimately majorly insecure. Do you know any alpha males that aren't wildly insecure? Because I've never met an alpha male that isn't a wildly insecure person. Sorry. I not, needed that rat. I need to get off my chest. You're not wrong, because like the, we, no. literally during our last show, we were laughing at UFC going to going to their fight island. And yeah, Dana White's the same. Dana White and Vince McMahon are, are the people that, that Trump tends to. In this, they're the people who are involved. Like that clip that JP's done for us on the intro. Like JP, they're the people who they're the people who, who Trump has turned to to like decide when it's going to be safe to start up the economy again like that mm. is just that's the state of that country right now that's the the state of the world and yeah you're right there too joe like it's i suppose yeah it's, it's not wrestling it's you know if anything we've we've learned over these last couple of weeks jp it turns out the billionaires are bad people it turns out that you know the people who run our football clubs are bad people you look at the likes of you know liverpool i was like i'm not saying this is an evertonian i was fucking disgusted when they when they announced that they were going to be furloughing their staff like some of whom i know personally and they were fair and staff and taking taking advantage of a government scheme designed for, for smaller businesses to keep their people employed and this fucking mega millionaire company that like that sits for one for one thing sits in the middle of a fucking council estate still pay, pay up their players and their top wages the the money they want and they were they were considering like liverpool of all clubs as a a club of the people were considering fellow and their staff i'm glad they turned that turn round on it i'm glad tottenham turned round on it i'm glad you know the other the other teams turn round on it but you've still got scummy clubs out there you've still got you know scummy owners although like joe said we've got one less with newcastle it's a millionaire problem it's a billionaire problem it's a richard branson problem you know with his with all of his millions and he's you know looking at fairlowing and releasing staff it's it is just that attitude of those kinds of people, you know, with that kind of money. And it's just, even in a pandemic, like, they, they can't change their stripes. Everything is still about making that extra couple of million profit or, or satisfying shareholders next week, which is the, the WWE position. It just makes you sad for the world. Oh, yeah. the markets. Sorry, JP, carry on. <laughs> no, I, I, would, I would say that, that, that that's what it's come down to. And you do hear a lot of... I mean, and this is a Fox News issue, and you have to remember the, the the people who are watching that being completely indoctrinated. And one of the things that they're starting to say is that in order to open the economy up, because they want to get back to normal, 
um, for them so they can carry on as as things were before without realising that the world has fundamentally changed in front of our eyes. And we are all aware of this, but they want they want to go back to a world that, that doesn't exist. And, you know, you see, uh, I, I was so I mean, when you said earlier on about Gareth not being surprised mm. that this is something that WWE would do. I'm not surprised at all. I was kind of expecting it in the same way that you mentioned about the football clubs. I expected football clubs to be shitty about it. Mm. I really dislike as well the way that they've tried to transfer this all onto the players in the same way that Matt Hancock did. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Putting it down to them as well. And it's like they are paid what the market value says it is for people who are so fucking, you know, masturbate over the word market and lose their shit over that every 15 fucking seconds without realizing that, you know, a global pandemic puts a kind of halt to things. And, and again, said it before, we're seeing people for who they are. And, you know, you look back on this week for WWE and you look back on the whole list of stories that have come together for this. And we've always said, because we like looking back at wrestling history, and when you, re- when you realize the real story of who Vince McMahon is, of someone who is just as... Re- just as as greedy as greedy gets and just you know in his view the money is his it's as simple as that the money is his he's the ringmaster he gets the money that's mm. the way that this works mm. and you can just they're just circus performers and you can just kick them on the road and just do that and that's the way he's always done it and that's the way that he is but you look at the kind of combination of factors on this the amount of stories for it starting off with the xfl and the xfl creditors and the fact that um, you know you get onto the super pack story, then you get onto the fact that the the fact that they've got the executive order as essential workers, then you've got the layoff story, then on top of it you've got the fact that he's clearly using um, a connection with Trump in order to kind of curry favour at the White House, and they're talking about him being involved in sort of economic decisions. Well, you can imagine how that's going to work out for people if Vince McMahon is in charge of it, in some way has influence on Trump on economic decisions as well. You get all of these stories together of how people are being treated and they're doing their usual fucking squirrel routine of, look, we're going to put a ladder on a roof instead. Look at this, people. Aren't we still great? Everyone's smiling and happy. I'm glad I don't give them money. I'm glad that... um, I find other ways of watching their stuff and I do it completely fucking guilt free now. Yeah. Everyone else should any other time. Yes. They don't. I'll I'll mention early on about a promotion who deserves a few quid, a few this shower. If this isn't the time to start canceling subscription, then what, what's the point? Because I mean, the Saudi stuff was, was more than enough for me. And the only times I've had a subscription is when it's been a free one and I've had to set up another dummy account. <laughs> and that's something that we're all in the fucking habit of doing it. And I, again, completely no shame about saying that whatsoever. No. They don't deserve a fucking penny. They don't deserve any of my time. I don't stage. want that company getting any more of my money so that some absolute vile bastard who cares about no one other than himself and the steak that ends up on his table three times a day can go into a fucking meeting with shareholders 
and basically say, oh, look at this, and try and spin information. Fuck them. Yeah. Anyone who listens to this, get rid of your WWE Network accounts if you're still paying for it. Fuck them. Let's fuck them off. Their response to this is disgusting. Look at some of the good people that lost their jobs via text message after a three-minute conference call this week with staff where the language was absolutely vile mm. and showed no care, compassion, or empathy for the fact that people are about to lose their jobs, but just showed self interest in a fucking investors call that was going to take place in what four or five days time after think of someone like spud and what he's given to the business and what he's given to the industry and the heartbreak he experienced after this and you know what i thought to myself when i saw that video what a great worker and a great bloke as well because he's done loads for so many people in this industry and he's got so much shit over and he's given so much to get over in that company and make the bollocks they've given him work at times as well, pissing himself, letting him come to his fucking wedding for God's sake. Mm. Having the moment's <laughs> notice when he's going to go and wrestle that day, he gets sacked. And there's a man who's not a toxic alpha male. There's a man who on the spot adapted and went, right, I'm going to turn this into an opportunity. I'm going to show my raw emotion. I'm going to use it as an opportunity to work, get people interested in me and listen to me now talking about him. He's got so much good press this week as a result of that video and good on the man. He's the kind of person that we need in wrestling. Someone that cares about wrestlers and someone that cares about people, not this sociopath. Like seriously, the coronavirus is sweeping for America. I know that Titan Towers is in Connecticut. I know that Vince likes to go to New York for a haircut. If his local barber's still open, his favorite steakhouse is still open, get him over to New York where the pandemic is sweeping right through right now, because if it's going to get rid of a couple of people <laughs> seriously i was thinking earlier on when i saw some of the trump stuff like where's lee Harvey oswald when you need him <laughs> <laughs> and if he wants to turn up at one of these i don't know economic recovery meetings that vince might attend because you know as a good alpha you still go around probably shaking hands of people and not sitting two meters apart from someone if lee wants to turn up there and do a double job like good on him oh Oh, can I get in trouble for that, do you think? <laughs> nah, that's fine. We've said worse. I think they have actually got a barber backstage at WWE, though. They're still em- no, because they're essential employees. A barber's essential as well. That's oh. important. Um, yeah. Oh, glad you think. It was. It was bad enough before firing them that he was making them do the live stuff. Oh my god, that yeah. was disgusting. That was in and of itself. We would have had this like rant anyway. We would have done this podcast ranting about WWE based on that story, wouldn't we? That would oh. have been enough, <laughs> you know, like because that made that made no sense. And it was just like at the point it was going well, you know, they've got this in their contract. It's like speak to Fox and speak to USA about this. Uh, there is no reason for this to happen. And if they do, why would you know? Uh, again, and there's been loads of great coverage of this from sort of Fightful to Post to uh, Dave on, on Dave Meltzer, um, you know, Voices of Wrestling, all this stuff going around. Like, why wouldn't they would have been then been able to sort of come out as the, I hate to use wrestling ter- kayfabe terminology, but the baby face here. If they say, we want to just take these shows, get these done, there's content, and they're saying it needs to be this. And apparently that is that something that has even been brought up 
Well, because I see conflicting reports on that. Yeah, well, they've switched now, haven't they? They've gone from Set Vincent, because that's, like you said earlier, the timeline this week is fucking like, it reads like a year of news, you know, from them being oh. named essential business to Linda McMahon allegedly, well, not even allegedly, giving 18.5 million to the uh, the Florida oh, look, GOP. To, to, but the reasoning behind it is, is the bit where you probably need to sow the word allegedly in, but it's the same, same day that Vince's uh, deep, his work is deemed essential, so he puts as, as wrestlers at risk to allegedly protect these TV deals, and then a couple of days later does these layoffs. But even now, like it's changed again. Like about like pro wrestling sheet, which as far as I'm concerned, is like the the propaganda arm of the WWE. Right? Oh, and Ryan Satin's is a fucking scumbag. Bag that Bob, mate. Oh, <laughs> uh, he is he he is literally posting like. He's posting these stories, and if you don't, if you're not read, if you read closely, if you read the things that aren't in quotes, he's still just repeating WWE terminology about how you know they had to, you know, like many other businesses, they they're in a financial difficulty right now. It's like this is not like any other businesses, uh, sat and this is the complete like if you want to see the lapdog of WWE at work, read some of those pro wrestling sheet updates this week. Oh. But he, he got he got the exclusive on the fact that it's all right, you know, Joe, they're the good guys again because they've gone from tape. From doing live shows every week, so now it's going to be live shows every two weeks, and and it's and a, I think a subsequent show tape. So you know, there you go. The wrestlers can come in, do a live show, spend fourteen days isolating, especially like someone like Daniel Bryan. He can isolate for fourteen days away from his pregnant wife and, and, and small child, yeah, and then he can go back to to SmackDown again and do another match, and then do fourteen days isolation again. That's that's their solution. That's that's where we are right now. So there you go. Yeah, you know, believe Ryan Sattler, well, the good guys again. What are you worried about? She can have a home birth and he can watch the birth of his second child from behind a window. Mm. Can't he? <laughs> that, that's what he can do. That sounds completely fair. Or so he can Skype while he's self-isolated yeah. in a hotel room somewhere. So he can have a match with, I don't know, Austin Theory on SmackDown. Great. Mate, honestly, Satin is the dirt, dirt, dirt worse. Yes. The lack of scrutinization yes. comical alley statements the they right. released to him and just the way he reports them in this like fat base almost like you can see him nodding along as he's reading the statement like i can just imagine it but also i find what i find fascinating about like, the wrestling media landscape is satin is like the fox news or the uh what's that jp what's the other ultra right oan one um, ona the one that trump's like that's oan yeah question. i love that i love Ameri- ona yeah. Saturn is that to oh. WWE and Meltzer is almost there like sort of the CNN or the CBS or whoever and I just find the kind of weird WWE defender on Twitter's arguments including Noel Clark Britain's <laughs> own Noel Clark uh, you know director of such British films as Kidulthood and uh, Adulthood and one, two, three, four, and that series I saw that was on my Now TV box earlier, <laughs> Bulletproof, which I would not be watching because Noel Clark has proved that he's kind of an idiot and doesn't know anything about wrestling and shouldn't comment on wrestling because he knows nothing about it. And some of his tweets that I saw this week, oh. the, uh, I think you linked me to Benno and him and Will Coolin were going back and forth. And I got to say, Will Coolin, what a man, absolutely killing Noel Clark, slaying him to bits. Like him totally going the on about, ripping him to pieces. Oh, him go, yeah. Him going on about dirt sheets yeah. as if he knows something about dirt sheets. Oh. Like, all right, using an outdated term, right 
And these people are actually reporting. No, they're just negative, what Joe. That's all they are. They're just negative. What is going on right now? It's kind of like Trump dismissing, say, CBS or CNN is, or the New York Times as fake, fake news. Mm. It's almost like that's the approach to, say, the Melters and the Alvarez of this world at this point. It's like the same tactic is used and the same morons who probably would, you know, believe Trump's bollocks are going along with this WWE bollocks. One of the statements sat in part. Can I just read it out? Go for it. It's the language and the wording. We believe it is now more important than ever to provide people with a diversion from these hard times, the company said in the previous statement. Right. The diversion you're helping with from the during these hard times is substandard to the usual substandard bollocks that you deliver anyway. Yep. Your ratings are massively down for a reason. You are losing hardcore fans who are there every Monday and every Friday watching this product. So you don't need to be doing this. Uh, we are producing content on a close set with only essential personnel and attendance following Lola. appropriate guidelines while taking additional precautions to ensure the health and wellness of our performers and staff. Okay, health and wellness of your performers and stuff. Didn't you just release a load of guys this week via text message with about five minutes notice and then edit their names into an article in order to get internet hits so that your advertising revenue probably goes up with each hit as people are refreshing the page? Like, didn't that happen? Is that thinking about your employees' health and wellness, especially when you're in the best financial position you've probably been in as a company? Mm. As a brand that has been woven into the fabric of society wwe and its superstars bring families together no they don't mom and dad hate wrestling they've always hated wrestling things fucking weird my girlfriend's family hate wrestling and think it's fucking weird because <laughs> wwe is weird yep. and deliver a sense of hope hope determination and perseverance hope didn't they try to kill, say, let's think of the last story that was genuine hope, Daniel Bryan. Did they try to kill that storyline when you had an underdog who genuinely was fighting against the system? Hope. What fucking hope is there here? They're a hopeless company that are being fucking selfish. The wording of that statement oh. is just fucking cringe. And Satin released that with no scrutinization of it. He was approving that statement and putting that out there. The guy is an absolute joke. And I think he just needs to be blocked by everyone. I'm not someone who thinks oh. like block people, cancel people. But if there's a case in the wrestling yes. industry... Let's just get rid of him. Let's pretend he doesn't exist because he is an absolute mong of a man. <laughs> he is. I, I, I can't believe he hasn't got me muted right now because I just, I, I think because we're like, we're, we're, we're fan, we're not journalists, we're fans who do a podcast. And I feel like we're, we're I've got no problem with calling, you know, someone like Ryan sat in a cunt. And I think the problem is the other journalists in wrestling can't feel like they can't do it but when you read like what you just read out there joe and in that same article he's like not with quote marks around it he, he puts in there something about you know our sources say despite some outside criticism we are putting a lot of effort into mitigating risks and he's got a line in there about you know the, the protecting people's health and safety while still keeping the business afloat amidst the current pandemic that's not a quote that's ryan satin writing that like uncritically ryan satin this week like again 
you know, you get if you get into the weeds in Twitter, you know, it, it, it's a whole universe, and I understand why Joe left. Like, I, I wouldn't usually go, oh god, this person retweeted that. I can't believe it. But Seth Rollins, after being a gotten to cunt on Instagram, trying to defend the WWE, I don't care. He, he's going on now about how you know he was just there to spread love, and he wanted people to, he wants to, us to bring together. He wants to bring the wrestling community together. But in the in in the same instagram story that he did in the same video that he did he's talking about how you know how, how unfair it is that you know people are going after the wwe he's talking about protecting wwe and voices of wrestling had to go at him on twitter and he replied about how you know he was i'm just trying to I mean, you could probably bring up the tweet but he's, he's, he's going on about how well you know i just think uh, you know I, i'm trying to bring people together there's no need to be calling people names in, in this situation because i think voices of wrestling did call him a couple of names and he's trying to he, he's like trying to make out that you know i was just trying to you know, bring people together and unify people and with no context ryan sat and the shield just retweets that tweet like the problem go, is the this sort of situation as well and it's it's classic um distraction like and i've had it in my own personal life and i've got into arguments with people so you think when you know that you're right about something and someone's completely wrong about something they're defending something that's immorally wrong and ethically wrong if you go to that level where you call someone a name or you use a name the easy distraction is to talk about the language you're using mm. and how offensive it is and it throws the argument off so it almost devalues the argument and it's a classic tactic that's used time and time again and it's frustrating and it's a shame but Seth Rollins I think is just he's just awful isn't he he's a dope he's just, as Bush the wrestling said like he is he's just he's like it's it's I don't know if you've seen Ryback to the podcast this week with David Starr and he was very critical of John Cena and kind of told the story about how when they lowered the pay of all the wrestlers for the for the video game and Cena kind of took the corporate he took the the company side and didn't take the boys side and you know it resulted in you know some of the boys making you know less than a couple of thousand when they would have been making you know tens of thousands in the past for the video game Seth Rollins is in that mold like but even worse like Seth Rollins is like you know he, he's supposed to be like this well, quote unquote locker room leader and all he's doing is pushing the, the company store oh we're in, we're in a pandemic you know everyone's going through hard times you know we need to unify around the and it's like I'm, I'm made up the amount of pelters he's got I'm made up the amount of people coming out of the woodwork and just you know pointing out the, the bullshit in that and David Starr pointing out the, the bullshit in that and saying you know unity will how about a union that's a, that's a, that's another word that begins with you that would make sense in this situation like yeah like people people like that just they make me not wanna you know we, we're getting angry on this about the wrestlers who get who are getting released and the, the the dangerous situation the wrestlers are getting put in and it almost makes me want, not want to help them because when they're leaders of people like seth fucking rollins and you know nobody seems to be putting their head above water at the moment to, to you know on the on the side of the wrestlers and i bet you in two weeks it'll just be the same situation and we'll just carry on business as usual it almost just pulls the will within me to want to you know shout loudly about all this with the limited avenue that i've got it almost takes away that i don't know that motivation to even do it when you've got like i said like i say people who are right in the middle of it people like seth rollins still towing the company line when wwe do things that are completely unforgivable this week they still find a way to defend the company like what 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 hope is there when you say about locker room leader it's not a locker room leader. It's Vince's. Re it's Vince's chosen representative in that in that locker room. That's who it is. 
it's not about leading other wrestlers. It's not about supporting other wrestlers when push comes to shove. It's about the idea of towing towing a party line. No, it's not and the time and place, JP. It's not the time and place. It, yeah, it's also not the way. <laughs> Very much not not the way. Is it for this? Um, it, it's it's horrible, and you know you, you you see the things that he gets and and the pelters that he gets as a result of it, and you just think you're putting yourself out there because this is a really disgusting act. And one thing I don't I think gets kind of ignored in a lot of this is is that like for a company that is all about brands and all about sort of their brand and about how once you really irreparably tarnish a brand you are in trouble and they are doing that they they are like as a company to support i find it impossible i kind of can't reconcile myself for it and no company is perfect but they go out of their way and the representatives in the room, the people actually do the fucking work that the entire company is based upon, has a leader like Seth Rollins, who might as well just, at this point, he's just wrestling management speak, isn't he? Mm. I'm sure he stir fries everything they say in the mind walk, a bit of blue sky <laughs> thinking, and then just repeats how it's not their fault and everything's going to be all right. I'll fuck him off. Like, if you're... Taking that side, I don't know what's down for you. Sorry, Joe. That's all right. Um, I I did see the uh, like what he said to David Starr as well, and he mentioned like his school because Sephiroth has got a wrestling school that he runs with Marek Brave. Do you remember Marek Brave, the indie worker from a good few years back? Mm. And he sort of mentioned that and uniting around the industry. Now he was devastated for the impact it had had on his like trainees and stuff you're thinking like all right if that's the way you're feeling like maybe think about your words a bit more wisely mm. because you're doing your credibility no like his credibility was already in the toilet anyway oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but you're not doing it any favors uh, it, and I, I just think that he needs to realize that he's not that smart so when he tries to take on certain people he's never going to win mm. will Os- will osprey always says i'm not a smart bloke i think he's smart and he gives himself credit for a lot of the time i think he's probably a bit more streetwise than he gives himself credit for he absolutely killed seth rollins last year yeah. will osprey and he's a guy that zach saber jr openly rips into for being thick constantly like seth rollins is beyond the joke at this point yeah he's got some ability in the ring but I think he's been brainwashed to the nth degree and he can't see the wood from the trees at this point. And yeah, it's a shame to see someone who's got so much talent completely brainwashed by this, by this company. And I always think when you, that point you made about Cena and uh, Ryback, I didn't know that story. I've never heard about that. Mm. When I hear things like that, I always think about um, James Gandolfini And during The Sopranos last season, there's a story that a lot of the actors tell. So he got like this massive bonus as like a thank you from HBO for, you know, the money that he'd made. The Sopranos and like his starring role had made HBO. And there's a story that a lot of the actors from the show tell where he got this huge bonus. And rather than keeping the money for himself, he called every single actor into his trailer and basically divided all of his money up for from this bonus and said, this is for you. This is for you. I don't want it. This is for you. You've worked on this as well. And 
it just doesn't feel like there's any sort of character or figure or personality in WWE that exists like that. It just feels like everyone's a fucking shark and everyone's out for themselves. And it's such a shame. And it feels like no one can break through who's genuine. Look at Daniel Bryan. He's genuine. He's got some left-wing views and he's small and he's a vegan. And he got de-pushed as soon as they could do it. And I believe that there's a conspiracy around his absence. I really do. I'm not a conspiracy theorist on any level. I don't believe this shite about 5G causing Corona going around right now. I honestly believe there's a conspiracy at play with Vince keeping Daniel Bryan out because he was so paranoid and disliked the fact that a five foot nine or five foot eight vegan was the most popular guy in his company. I honestly believe there's something there and you may call me an idiot for thinking that, but I wouldn't put anything past the toxic deluded selfish sociopathic alpha male that is vince mcmahon i I was gonna um uh there was a point i wanted to raise um in terms of the salaries and 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 thinking back to um uh uh, the idea of the locker room leader Mm. and how much money they've saved on this how Mm. much do they pay lesnar a year it's about 10 million but he doesn't make that much of a difference that's the thing i don't understand with lesnar how much is Velasquez on? I saw a report of five million. He's a one match in Saudi Arabia. Wow. Tyson Fury was fifteen million. Was it that much? Yeah. How much they pay Goldberg? Yeah. And at no point does any of these locker room le- does the locker room leader say anything. And this is where I come back to the idea of grabbing the brass ring. Grabbing the brass ring is about showing how you will fuck over absolutely anything else and sell out anything you believe to go along with a company line. And I always think that's what it comes down to with a Daniel Bryan. doesn't fit in. It's an anomaly in the system. The idea is, is, is to kind of get what he, what, you know, all these kind of buzz phrases are about being just a predatory shark mm-hmm. who is effectively Vince, but uh, as a wrestler, as a regular wrestler in the locker room. And that's what they want, to make sure that that mentality is seeped all the way down. And it does seep all the way down. And it works its way into the performance center. And it's the idea of the idea of wrestlers work, you know, of the idea that they can work themselves up and you've got like a whole group of really good wrestlers to go through and, and interesting things from this. Now, it's about the idea of trying to go, no, you are the chosen one and this is how you'll behave. And yeah, it's... I say disappointing. It's just completely unsurprising at this stage. Mate, it's, it's like a private school. It's like a private yeah. school in the fucking 19th century. Everyone's yeah. got to get into line. Everyone's got to, you know, respect the fucking master. The guy who wears that weird hat at the front of the classroom. <laughs> and if you don't get in line, you get a fucking spank and you probably get a fucking round the back or something as well. <laughs> Sorry. Edit that bit out. I'll give it Maybe that. Maybe no, And it's like the ribs in the locker room are like the kind of nasty shit that they'll go on in a boarding school. Yeah, and Seth Rollins, he doesn't get paid anymore, but he gets to wear the fancy hat. And he he's gets, head boy, isn't he? Yeah, he gets to pretend he's, he's head boy. He's got like he's got a nice little prefect badge, and he gets to pretend that he's that he's yeah. something that he isn't. Um, and he shite warts. Yeah, it's like that. You know, not, none of the teachers or the, or the head teachers actually respect you when you're a prefect, mate. You just you just free labor. That's essentially what Seth Rollins is. What you are. Yeah, it's fucking honestly. It's just, I, 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 part of me though wants you know, I'd love a Daniel Bryan to speak out. I'd love you. You mentioned earlier, you know, that you know Sami Zayn, Joe. I'd, I'd love for this this tiff with Road Dog on Twitter to turn into Sami Zayn saying something like, rather than the only public word we hear is just 
guys just towing the t- the company line. Even AJ Styles, he did like a he did a video talking about how he thought it was his own fault that, that Gallows and Anderson got released because he didn't do enough for them and he was blaming himself. And even he was going into you know a lot of companies are going through this right now and they've just all bought that line hook line and sinker. Like thank God for the for the Dave Meltzers in the world. Like you know he gets critique and a lot of it, some of it, not a lot of it, some of it's justified. But like you know mm. thank God for someone like him shining a light on this. Thank God for wrestling onwards. You know even you know. You David Spixen spans of the world, you you Sean Ross Saps, the actual real journalists out there shining a light on this bullshit because without it, like people just believe that nonsense. Just believe that, like, oh, you know, this will be a story that Vince will tell, like when, you know, when the federal government came for him, it's like, oh, man, when that coronavirus came for our business, but you know, we we nailed down, yeah, we we sacked a few people, yeah, we we furloughed a few staff, but you know, we got through it, we survived with our mm. record profits and we made it through. And people will just buy that hunk line and sinker. That's what that's what just makes me so sad for like yeah, that that being the that that being you know the biggest wrestling company that being like you said before Joe the 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 company that people tie to wrestling uh, and and just think of as wrestling that is is our public face for our for our little subculture it's just it's just horrific yeah and you know what Pete Dunn's uh, not the way tweet is oh. dated by and look worse by the day as of it like I'm not having to go at Pete Dunn for layoffs <laughs> uh, <laughs> but what I'll say is. That tweet looks so bad, but the likes of Chris Brooks and Drew Parker, mm. who have gone to Japan and carved out their own path, they've done some great stuff as well. Like, I'm not, I don't have Twitter, but I won't lie. I've used my girlfriend's accounts. Have a look, because so much has been going on in there this yeah. week. This week you have. Yeah, I won't be rejoining anytime soon. But fair play to guys like that who have just kind of gone. This is fucking disgusting. I've got mates in that company, and they seem more worried for their mates than anyone else has been, if anything. And yeah, um, uh, what I want to say is, next time Pete Dunn comes back to Fight Club Pro, because it'll happen at some point, can everyone just chant, "Not the way," <laughs> please? Just just make him look like a prick. Like just get a "Not the way" chant on the go. And uh, if uh, you know. If I'm there, and I doubt I will be, I'll I'll get involved as well. Just get it on the go, and just just yeah, I would be. Just make him look like the idiot that he's kind of shown himself to be in this, and the shill he's shown himself to be. You got to get in line, mate. You got to you got to be good to the boys. You got to be good to the company. Like just 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 like suck up a little bit, kiss a bit of ass. That's the way to get involved. People aren't naturally ass kissers. Are you an ass kisser, Benno? I would say I'm not, not a fucking ass kisser. I'm <laughs> the fucking opposite of an ass kisser. And has it got me in trouble before? Oh, absolutely. But do I feel all right about myself? Do I feel better about who I am as a person as a result of standing my fucking ground at times? Yeah, I um, do. Mate, this entire last couple of weeks or last couple of months has turned me into a revolutionary. Like I told you off air, I'm yeah. in lots of trouble in work right now. But maybe that's why I maybe expect more out of uh, my wrestling place than I do. And like, like speaking of that Pete Dunn thing as well, like what the fuck going on with NXT UK? Like we joked about it on Friday on the podcast. How has there been no news about that? Mm-hmm. Like where are like AJP? Where are you know all these marked journalists who get the get the nice little chats with you know with Charlotte and Becky Lynch in the in a BT bus or a BT limo and you know retweet those interviews for the rest of the year and wank themselves to sleep because they got a like from Seth Rollins on Twitter. Isn't it weird that there's been zero coverage of what the fuck is going on with NXT UK right now? What situation are those wrestlers in? Are they UK employees? Are they US employees? Can they be furloughed? Can't they be furloughed? No one's asking those questions. Like, what is going on right now? 
radio silence. Mm, completely. Uh, no one is saying anything. And it's mm. so weird that no one's saying anything about this. And you're kind of expecting responses and thinking, well, you know, by all accounts, NXT Japan isn't going to be a thing now. Um, there was a report that they've kind of let go of some of the staff over there. So it just seemed like a natural outcome. I'm talking about people, I think it was like Kendo Cashin might well have been released uh, anyway. But when it came to um, uh, NXT UK, I was just really surprised that it's it that nothing's happened as of yet. And in terms of where it is, God knows, because isn't it, isn't it registered as N- is it NXT UK Holdings? I believe which, so, yeah. But... Which is which you, makes you wonder then would they end up filing for bankruptcy or anything like that in that case? Mm. So they would then have creditors, which is exactly what they've done with the XFL. Now, obviously, the reason why people set up companies is to avoid personal liability. So they're not personally on the hook for it. I think there's an there's an essence of this where where you know the kind of greater morality comes into play with all of this stuff. But you know, if you're NXT UK, wouldn't you've been on the conference? You know, why is there a case that they're doing this in kind of dribs and drabs? And people must be sitting on like the edge of the seats waiting to see if they're being sacked. Mm. And that is fucking awful. And I've been at places where there's been rounds of redundancies, and it's the worst. It's the worst place to be. It's absolutely horrible. And you don't feel if you, you know, obviously if you're going, it's absolutely awful. If you're staying, it's awful as well. And morale and atmosphere and all of these things are absolutely horrific. But in this case, they just kind of, you often feel like they're being left on the hook. And it just makes you wonder, well, it's not a viable proposition because it existed as a way of hoovering up everything on the British scene. So, like it's not like this is profitable in any way, shape, or form. How much do you think they make from taping in Coventry between hiring it out and everything else? A, a, a minus figure, I would probably yeah. say. <laughs> like, how much? How much is Walter being paid? Yeah. To be honest, you know, Hero obviously now has been. Um, oh yeah, he's the one NXT UK been, guy who's been released, isn't he? Like he's the only he's one. He's been released, and he's he wouldn't one, have had an NXT UK. Contract. Oh, I know, but like as, as you know, one of the guys on the show. But no, you're right. Yeah, he's he's. So I think he was like a player coach, wasn't he? Not, though. Yeah. yeah, they don't know if he's been furloughed or not. I would see that um, being the case with him. Like, I think I think you've hit something there, though, JP. I think they're genuinely they're just all paid so badly on their fifteen k mark contracts that like it's probably not worth the legal fees or the headache. Maybe they'll just maybe while everything else has fallen apart and the second Rusev and Kurt Angle and EC three and you know Leo Rush and you know people are you know with varying degrees could could be doing something on main roster right now. And maybe it's not even worth sacking NXT UK because, like, you could you could you could probably sack eight lads from Scotland with a beard, but they probably wouldn't even cover Kurt Angle's salary. Is probably the truth of the situation. Yeah, you wouldn't, but they wouldn't be. Um, it, it's it's very hard seeing what they've done so far this week to think that they won't do anything about that, and they'll just let that slide. That it, either it's out of sight, out of mind, or it's the fact that the downsides are so low that they don't even really need to worry about it too much. And this isn't wishing people to be made redundant or no, anything. No, no, no. Obvi- obviously. I mean, it's a horrific circumstance. Or for the person who can, can afford it, can't yeah. it? And that's, and that's what we come back to. Yeah. All of these cuts are about maintaining a level of profitability that was predicted before the coronavirus hit. That's what it's about. Yeah. It's about paying 12 cents out on the dividend, Vince gets his four million or whatever on that. 
and that's what it's and that's what it's there for all the while currying favors with the governor of florida and sorry i have gone from nxt to ron DeSantis. i mean this <laughs> whole that's there's the story, so many strands to this that's and we story. haven't got into the fact of fucking jimmy snooker yet <laughs> and somebody tested positive this week you wouldn't believe it was this week or at least in the last oh, seven to eight days that. for coronavirus yeah. and the WWE. that should be the lead story shouldn't it there are... who that is I, I mean, I don't care saying. I, they said it was a commentator. I assumed it was Corey Graves, but he was back on Raw this week. Um, so I, don't I know heard in that case. It, it'd been, was it Charlie Caruso? Uh, who knows? Oh, so yeah. Whether or not it was backstage, I don't know who, who does backstage. Yeah, we don't know. For, for, for clarity's sake, we're not reporting anything here. Charlie Caruso. Know. She's one of the interviewers, isn't she? Yeah, yeah. That, that, uh, that's an essential, shame. That's essential at this point in time, isn't it? I was just thinking... If she was blonde, there's there's a chance Vince was having an affair with her. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't think she's his type. Uh, I mean, we don't know who it is, but thank God. I wouldn't say thank God to her, but imagine if it was a Jerry Lawler. Like, yeah, Jerry, Law- Jerry Lawler is 70, and he's posting on, oh. on Twitter about how proud he is to be getting on an aeroplane to fly to Florida to be the needless third man in a booth who's making Japanese jokes. Like... <laughs> God, like they, they are flying so close for the, to the sun but this is an essential business you know so, Lawler's problem mate go on you know what he's got alpha fucking maleism that's yeah. what he's got the twat yeah, yeah that too that too very nice yeah it's like it's yeah. like Meltzer said isn't it if you ask Lawler he'd say he wants to go but should he be making that decision he probably shouldn't should he Somebody, somebody should probably be uh, looking after a uh, uh, Jerry Lawler and the uh, the other people on the roster, but no one's looking after them, and that's the thing. It's just the thing is though they're essential workers, so I don't know what we're complaining about. That's why they're live. That's why they pay the bribes. They're essential workers. Fucking oh, it, fascinating looking at the timeline for that whole thing in Florida, <laughs> because like April first, he does the executive order for essential services. Yeah, after uh, he speaks to Trump mm. and they get an executive order for what is essential services. April 9th, they amend that to include professional sports and media, including entertainers with a national audience. On that same day, it's announced that the, um, oh, what's the name of it? It's the pro-Trump super PAC. I want to say America One or something like that. That's the name of the super PAC, I think it is. America mm. First Action, some such bullshit. Um yeah, that that she uh, they've donated. What is it, they're doing? Twenty six and a half million dollars, but specifically eight and a half million in Tampa in Orlando. They'll spend, and it's all unregistered money, and they can do whatever it is. And even though it'll be on behalf of Trump, the whole problem with super PACs is, is you don't know a where the money's coming from, and they can say whatever they want because of a Supreme Court ruling in 2010, Citizens United, which somehow said that money is speech from the same people who brought you that corporations are people um, as well. And then, yeah, on the 10th, then McMahon decides he's going to do resuming live TV. And this two-week thing is just a load of fucking bullshit anyway as well. Uh, It's just absolutely fucking... That's like the absolute shit shit cherry on the fucking cake that is filled with diarrhea it's absolutely vile <laughs> a shower of absolute fucking arseholes and a shout out to some good florida reporters because i've read a good bit about this week as well um there were people um in orlando the orlando press have been really good on it i'm waiting for it to hit kind of really nationally mm. msnbc as you'll heard in some of the sound clips that are used 
they've picked up on this story because of the super pack angle. That's the thing that gets it. The kind of mainstream press. Mm. I'd be hopeful that John Oliver might do something. Yeah. Hopefully that's his special for this week. I was hoping. I, It'll, it'll tie in with obviously coronavirus, but he might just do Florida in general mm. because of wrong the Sanctus and about governors or something along those lines. And you could see that being the case. Um, yeah. It's so fucking disgusting. On top of that, allegedly 30 years ago or so, he might well have helped cover up a murder. There you go. <laughs> just throw that in there as well. Oh. And on this week as well, they announced that they were going to do a... Um, what's that match called for the... for the, the, what's it, the Climb the corporate ladder match? They literally oh announced my that God. this week. That, 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 that is fit. real. That's real. Right. I, so my brother sent me something about that, and I was like, are you having a laugh? Like... Is this a joke? Is this like a delayed April Fool? Is this something someone's made up and put on the internet? I could not believe that was a real thing. Like, in this week of all weeks, that feels like the biggest troll job on people who have kind of, like us, who have gone, this lot are a shower of fucking shit. The fact that they've used the term corporate ladder, <laughs> it almost feels like they're using it to kind of lord something over the likes of us mm. and laugh at us. Feels like a troll job, doesn't it? The language that they used in that press release, again, I was just like, oh my God, this is this is beyond shocking. Mm-hmm. Like the stuff they're saying here. Like and also, do you know what I reckon was behind the idea for that match? Go on. Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> it's Climb the Mountain, isn't it? It's uh, what's it called? King it's of the Mountain. King of the Mountain. King of the Mountain. King of the Mountain on a building. King of the fucking corporate mountain this time. Because you know what? We should all aspire to be the king of a corporation. Because corporations are grey. And you know, corporations are more important than people and everyone in the fucking world. So we should all aspire to climb the fucking corporate mountain at this point. Like <laughs> What an absolute disgrace. And the first thing I thought was, the thing I hate about this, is I'm going to end up watching this match because I'm going to be kind of too curious to know what it is and how they try and get this match across. And I just thought to myself, I'm annoyed at myself because I'm going to give him and I'm going to watch it and I'm going to give it all the hate and all the fucking bite it deserves on here. But I'm not going to do it via the WWE Network. I won't tell you how I'm going to do it, but I'll watch it somehow. And I recommend anyone listening to this does the same thing. And that's nothing against wrestlers, but it's everything against that fucking owner, that sociopathic fucking moron. I had a couple of beers while we've been recording this, and you might be able to tell, because I feel a little bit tipsy. Just had a few crisps, a few lime Doritos to try and type me over. I feel a bit emotional tonight. I'm drinking a Kio as well. Maybe that explains it. It's been a tough week, lads. We deserve it. A Kio? What's that? It's like a, it's a, you know, it's from Cyprus. It's a beer they have in my, my local spa has been like a, a godsend like through this because no one ever goes in there and they've got a big selection, but it's a 630 mil bottle. That's why I like it. Cypriot beer. It's a very nice yellow label. You'll have seen it around. Nice. I'm having a North Bruin. Uh, Lost Cosmonauts, double IPA, 6%. Uh, One of those expensive beers in Tesco's, like the one Gareth was drinking when we were doing the WrestleMania (laughs) podcast. Uh, Thought I'd treat myself in this this week, you know, global pandemic and all that. But just just to go back. This is like a Saturday night out. Oh, yeah. Oh, mate, we're hanging out. It's like having a lime and soda here. Fucking hell. I'm pushing the boat out. I was going to say, fruit teas at this point. (laughs) 
was going to say, like, before you go further, Joe, I was going to say, like, you know, based on what you just said then about this being king of the mountain, you're saying, you know, we should aspire to be co- to be corporate. What we should all really aspire to be is Jeff Jarrett, because you know what's going to happen. Everyone else is going to get sacked, and he's going to be there with the cockroaches. He's going to be second in line. Jeff Jarrett's going to be the man who leads WWE into the next century. I've got faith in Jeff Jarrett to turn this shit round. Doing it for I... his dad like it's 1993. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. <laughs> because TNA was fucking shit. That's true. <laughs> Sorry, JP. <laughs> it's, I'm happy to admit that fact. The points it was good, it tended to be the points where Jarrett really wasn't involved in the booking. <laughs> uh, oh, well, yeah. What, oh. a, what a fucking... What a week. I mean, you know, just on the... You know, getting away from the corporate side, but just on the human toll... Mm. Like, just based, like, obviously we're not going to go through them one by one, but just based on the people who've released in the middle of a pandemic, who've now got to fucking chase their own tail and try and get work. And fair play, you know, uh, say fair play, put that in quote unquote, you know, some of them are getting better severance packages than others, and some of them are getting, uh, you know, I don't think there's any no no compete there. God help them trying to find a job, though, uh, with only AEW running right now. I don't know, does anybody, like, does anyone jump out of the list as, like, okay, that's an obvious AEW sign, and that's an obvious New Japan signing they'll be all right they'll end up in impact like what do you think of like the, the the people who've been released so far oh it's really difficult to tell um obviously because it, it's almost like we have to pretend right this all goes away and things go back to normal this yeah. is where everyone ends up and it's really difficult because we don't know in terms of personal circumstances of of what they have because like you say this isn't the i we we've always said they had too many people on the roster. A lot of the people on the roster had kind of been quite public about wanting to be released. Some of the names, like you think of Primo and Epico, they've kind of gone out of their way not to use them as much as anything else. And, you know, you, you look through that list and there is some of them who are going to be, you hope are going to be okay. Cause they kind of, you think that they, they're good enough. And that if there is, depending on the state of the industry at that point for them to come to. Um, I thought it was interesting voice of wrestling. They went through it sort of one by one. The ones that stand out for me, obviously in terms of going to AEW, I still, I think Spud would obviously do something there. It seems to be that Anderson is sort of Anderson and Gallows. They're setting up their talk and sh- uh, talk and shop again. I haven't they? their podcast thing. I'm looking forward to them. First couple of podcasts. Yeah. They'll be they'll be good, but they seem to have intimated going back to New Japan, which obviously is a is a kind of a much more natural fit for them. If I was going to say it, I feel bad like doing fantasy booking stuff, but see Leo Rush in New Japan would be something there. I think if, Leo Rush, or best of the Super Juniors, I'd take that. I, I, so for me, Leo Rush at the moment, if if it's if he wants to carry on wrestling, because he's made noises yeah. about taking a break, mm. I think he's what the indies need. I think he'd yeah. be a great injection on the indies. Like, I think he's actually improved personality wise since he's gone to WWE. He seems more confident as a personality. The indies haven't got a lot of star power at the moment. I think he'd really make a name for himself out in the indies at the moment. Um, the ones for me, I was looking through and I was thinking. Andy Quilden to be rubbing his hands because he's got a few Portsmouth uh, draws on his hand here. <laughs> I could see, you know, Heath Slater taking a few photos in the ring during a half term. Uh, I could see Anderson and Gallows if he gets them taking photos in the ring during a half term. Rowan's another that I could see him bringing in for a Pompey date. 
Rusev, I could see Rusev. I imagine Rusev walking through pools of city centre. Oh. That's a sight I'd love to see. <laughs> but I could see that one there. Mike Rusev's one I'm Alice. really interested in because if Rusev wants to wrestle and he wants to improve, and I've, I've, I like Rusev. I think he's got personality. I mean, he's got a cracking sense of humour. Mm. Um, and I actually think he's got some good fundamentals in the ring, but he's never really been able to show them in the way he may be able to in another place. I think if he's really serious, I'd love to see him get someone like an All Japan or a Noah. Yeah. I think if he was to get him an All Japan and get him with some of them sluggers there, you'd see him improve overnight and he'd be a natural fit somewhere else or he'd be, do maybe a Drew McIntyre and kind of take a couple of years out, get himself really good and they'd hire him back eventually. Because I think they missed the boat on Rusev massively. I think Rusev's first year on that main roster he was really good, mm. like in squash matches, but in actual matches. I thought that the way his matches were booked and laid out, they were interested in him. As soon as he lost to Cena, they just forgot about him, and he was yeah. just like, whatever. But I think Rusev's got some potential. Um, I could see Heath Slater being a job guy in AEW. I think Heath Slater's kind of underrated. I don't want to get see him pushed anytime soon, but he's always been, for me, I always say he's my favorite jobber, because anything he's given, he gets over. And he's given a lot of shit, and he's always got it over. So he's a guy I'd like to see doing jobs. Um, I could primo an Epico. MLW seems like a destination that would suit them. Same for No Way Jose, potentially. That's a shout. Zach- they, they could draw with MLW are good at that, aren't they? Picking draws yeah. for, for places you wouldn't really think. Think of the money they could do with the colons, you know? But that's a... Yeah, they could easily do that, yeah. That's a good shout, though. I could see that working. Eric Young, I could see going back to TNA. I think yeah. that's an obvious fit. EC3, I'd say the same as well. Oh, I'm good for EC3 because I think I I just thought he was a Vince McMahon guy. I thought he was going to walk mm. into do because remember when they fast tracked him, he was in NXT and straight away they brought him up to do the It's like Vince is going to take one look at him and want to push him, and it went the opposite way for whatever reason. Took a dislike to him, and I don't think he's particularly good in ring. He's had. You know, as I've said before, one of probably my favourite TNA match of all time with Spuds. But you know, he's a bit like MJF, where it's you know it's the talking, it's the way he carries himself that kind of gets you in, and the matches don't always uh, connect so much. He's one where, like, I actually think, I think he'd do well in AEW, but MJF's already there, so I wonder whether you want to do that. Mm. Um, which leaves him with limited him options. What was that, mate? If I was big time, I wouldn't pick him up. You wouldn't bother personally. Would you pick up Spud? Uh, yeah, oh, no-brainer. He'd be the first person I'd be ringing. I mean, mm. I can see him picking Anderson and Gallows up, oh, yeah. but I would I would wait a while for Anderson and Gallows. And the revival went the week before. Mm. I think you, you say to him, right, I'm going to sign you, but we're going to give it a little bit, and you space him out a little bit to some extent. But Spud, I would be on the phone to, like, tomorrow, mm. uh, getting him in. Uh, another one that I would... And this may be a controversial opinion, but... I think the way that they retired Kurt Angle was disgraceful. Yes. I think they wanted to troll hardcore fans with the way they retired Kurt Angle. And to me, the way they retired Kurt Angle was retribution for the way he left them in 2006 and went to the rival. And I would love to see Kurt Angle as broken down as he is. If it's safe, I'd love to see him do a proper one last match, proper retirement match at somewhere like an AEW. But yeah, get an actual proper yes. platform to do it. And he'd be up for it as well. He's a fucking yeah. nutter. He, oh, went, yeah. he went to TNA with a broken neck. Like there were times in TNA where he just looked 
pure. Just looked unhealthy being in the ring for them. He looks like he's in a better place in his life right now. Yeah, you throw him in, do a one-off with... Like, I'm not the big Kenny Omega guy, but do a one-off with Kenny Omega. You know, Cody, mate. Cody, yeah. Cody will take yeah. care of him. Yeah. That'll be a match he might like. Like, there's money there, though, isn't there, with Angle, with a few select matches in an AEW. Just if AEW one. can. Just one. Do you just I, would, one? I would do just one. So he can retire properly, and you could almost use the line of, they treated me like shit because they treated him terribly they in did. that last run. They showed so little respect for a guy who gave his body for that mm. company, who broke himself for that company and was the best rest of that company he had from what? 2001 until I'd say 2004. Uh, he was, he was amazing for his entire run there up until 2006. If you ask me, and they just forgot about that because he left him in 2006. So yeah, he's a guy I'd like to get one last proper match under his belt and go out the way he deserves to go out because yeah I, I i i was depressed watching that wrestlemania last year and the way he had to lose to baron corbin to try and put heat on a guy that has no heat because he's just a shit wrestler yeah it was horrible it was horrible and mm. yeah the thing is like going through that list i mean my kind of thoughts echo both of yours but for me like i think that a big thing is going to be there are a number of people in this list i want to see aw pick up but like, there's two concerns there. One, can AW afford to take anybody else on right now when, they're, when their incomings aren't exactly secure over the rest of the year? And two, should they bring in too many people? I think you're right, Joe. I think you bring in... The Revival have to be headed there. Like, that's, you know... Them getting released, you know, last week again feels like six months ago, but that's got to be happening. That's got to be on the cards. And you're right, yeah. If you, I think... Anderson and Gallows, uh, you know, they are they're going to be laughing to the bank. To be honest, they made their big money off WWE. If you listen to their their podcast, which is always hilarious, it's just return. They're doing a apparently they're doing a special this weekend uh, talking about that release, which should be a laugh on uh, on Talking Shop. They're the two lads though that they're on struggle for money. They both got they both uh, will outright say yeah. they bought big houses with their WWE money, and I think the two of them are both going to get jobs in New Japan. And Anderson's already been tweeting out videos that seem to indicate that he's heading to Japan, and the both going to get jobs in AEW as well like if there was anyone in this list that don't worry about it's fucking them too uh, and Carl Anderson I think Indian Summer yeah let's be honest yeah that's what I'm hoping for Singles. he hasn't really wrestled let's be honest mm. like in the last how long has he been at WWE four or five years mm. yeah. I can't remember the last Carl, last time I saw Carl Anderson really wrestle mm. he does what he has to do in the ring gets out goes home collects his paycheck and I've, I've always thought Fair play to him. He did his hard work in New Japan. Love to see an Indian summer. Maybe in G1 this year. I think he could go in there if he's signed by that point with something to prove. And it'd be quite cool to see. Um, yeah, they feel like lads. He he does. And I reckon Ono's in the same boat. But it feels like we're getting someone back. You know what I mean? Like we lost them to, to, like, her, to Hero WWE. Osprey. Oh. We've never got Hero Osprey. Yeah. Oh, now we can get it. it. Yeah. Do you think with him, I, d- I don't see, I could see them getting Hero back, so I could just see him going straight back onto the Indies yeah. and going back to kind oh, he of doing it, what he's doing before. Exactly. So I think he'd be as likely to do that as to actually sign with anyone else because I could see them getting them getting him back in. Mm, yeah, he's going to be someone, yeah. We're, we're going to see him, if there's wrestling happening in England this year, we're going to see him this year. I think that's almost a guarantee, depending on what you know his situation is um, and whether he is just furloughed or he's rarely released. Uh, yeah, they're kind of the ones for me, though. Like a lot of the other people in the list, there's, there's you know, I would never count out a uh, Zack Ryder, you know, getting himself over somewhere, you know, considering it was a long time ago now, but how he got himself over in WWE and got that squashed. If he's got that kind of 
you know, that, that want behind him and that desire behind him, I think he could get over somewhere. Uh, I just don't know exactly where that will be. And yeah, Rusev, same as you guys. I think he's he's the money guy on this list. Um, mm. You could even bring him in like as a, you know, like they did with Jeff Cobb in AEW as the challenger of the week um, mm. for whoever's the champion. But he's going to be over where he, he's someone, again, in a different way, but like Zack Ryder, despite the despite the push, despite the way they used him, he always got over, didn't he? Um, and he's always had kind of that connection with the the hardcore fan. Yeah, I think there's money there. I think I think Mike and Maria Canellas are nailed on going to ROH, and yeah, fair enough. I won't have to watch <laughs> them, so go for it. That's, that's possibly New idea. Japan. Unfortunately, that's one of their oh. one of their worst aspects. We're gonna get yeah. that Bennett and Taven team back, JP, with the with the camera literally oh, up Maria's geez. ass. Yeah. <laughs> it's coming in. All that stuff. When you mentioned about Rusev, I always think the and you've mentioned it already really before, but it's the idea of he's the great unknown, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that that's what he really represents, and it can go really either way. Mm. A lot of the others, you can kind of see ceilings on them of where they are and where they're going to go. Um, and for some of them, they're actually quite high. In the case of sort of a Spud or a Leo Rush, depending on on how things go over it. But like you say, it's how much does he want it? And does he want to come in and get those big paydays? Because I think the idea of anyone coming in and doing like what Cody Rhodes did, which turned out in the end to be one of the great like career moves really for him was working so cheap at the start to get his name out there, working all of those kind of indie shows, getting that credibility. And then at that point, he was kind of able to to kind of really kick on and become the kind of mega star he is. And it, it's whether or not a lot are a lot of them going to be willing to do that. Um, are are they going to be in the position to do that willing sounds awful at this current climate are they going to be in the position to be able to do that do you know what Rusev's got JP what's that beefy fucker potential (laughs) fuck I when you mention all Japan I'm like yeah that's that's playtime material has he got the desire to do it though because I just think he'd have to work cheap wouldn't he for them like yeah. say, now it'd be great, but he'd have to work cheap. It, it encourages yeah. me that he wanted out because he was quite vocal, wasn't he, on Twitter the last year yeah. or so about ah, wanting out. They treated out. him like shit. They treated yeah. him like yeah. to really yeah. wrestle. Though. But you know what I mean? Like if he if he wasn't gonna be motivated, surely he'd just sit there and take his paycheck and keep and keep yeah. you know his mouth mm. shut. But let's be honest, they tried to force a divorce between him and his wife. She's too fit for him, mate. That's the Vince McMahon logic. Yeah. Yeah, because he wants to fuck her. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she's well exactly. She, she's she's got a job for life. And he doesn't understand why she's with someone like him, who's mm. Bulgarian, but probably in Vince's mind, Russian, because the entirety of Eastern Europe is just Russia, obviously. <laughs> yeah, Bulgaria and Russia, same country. Socialism, the great evil. <laughs> oh, exactly. You know what he's like. He's watching fucking rambo three and bloody rocky four isn't Mate, it? you know what he's watching his own fucking product in between his fucking steaks that's what he's <laughs> yeah. doing he's watching anything else yeah. when do you reckon the last time he watched a television show was that wasn't one of his own shows when do you reckon the last time he went for i don't know a walk around the block was when do you reckon the last time he went to a supermarket was when do you reckon the last time he got on a fucking bus was i reckon never I don't think he's ever been on a bus. The other ones, maybe the 90s. I'm not going to go as far as the 80s, but yeah, that's probably the truth. Walk around the block? I don't think he's ever done that. (laughs) (laughs) Walk around a gym? Yeah, that's true. Well, you know, in between rounds of creatine or something. He probably did walks from the XFL office to the WWE office. Apparently they were literally over the road from each other, which is a hilarious part of the XFL story. I reckon he had an underground tunnel. I reckon he thought he was, you know, Churchill during the war, (laughs) the Grand Bunker or something, for some sort of tunnel. 
he was great. He, that, that was great to hear that, like, uh, all that talk about, oh, no, the separate entities. And, you know, they did they did acknowledge, you know, that the WWE had an ownership stake in the XFL and then the numbers came out when the XFL went out of business and it was like, this was not a minority stake. What was it, JP? Like 30-something percent? Yeah, and it half, was like 28%. Half, half of the staff were literally had jobs at WWE and XFL and were literally going over the road from one building to another um, to do both jobs. Like, fucking hell. Like, the, the amount of corruption there is just... It'd be funny if it wasn't so sad. Um, and also, working two jobs for one wage, I imagine. Yeah, you'd think so, or two halves, or whatever. Uh, whole thing. What we said about unions. <laughs> there you go. It, it, not now's not the time, though. As Seth Rollins said, now is not the time, Joe. Uh, I don't know when the time is. If it's not now, unions. But... Are, unions, mate. They're not the way. No, they're not the way. Fuck it, out. That's come up a lot, hasn't it? I think that's going to have to be the title now. Um, Anything more on the release wrestlers? Like, I think you know, as far as like the women in um, there go, I think they'll end up. I think Sarah Logan and Diana Perazzo. Listen, they're not going to make the AW Women's Division anywhere, so I could see them winding up there or Ring of Honor. Uh, yeah. I, I, it's just it's all dependent on, isn't it? If if wrestling exists this year, I'm I'm really starting to feel. I I feel pretty strongly that we're not going to be there's not going to be fans in stands until 2021. I think the world might get somewhat more normal after this summer, and we might all start going outside a bit more, and shops and stuff might start opening. But attended sports events, I don't think that's happening until this time next year. So I think a lot of these yeah. people might well be in a state of limbo until then, possibly until there's a vaccine. Hmm. That's like uh, at that point you can you can have those kind of large gatherings, but yeah, mm. I'm I'm with you. I think I think 2021, mm. um, and it's not a positive story necessarily. But the way New Japan handled it, and the way that they all handled it as a collective as well, in terms of taking responsibility, and apparently they're paying that all their staff and haven't laid anyone off. But um, did you see that in terms of the press release that they? Yeah. Oh yeah, all they did. <laughs> they made a request for testing kits for yeah. wrestlers yeah that and compensation for them and it was hiro hase um who i always sort of remember from very early 90s wcw again always <laughs> come back to that and he's the minister for education culture sports science and technology mm. um and he was very good on that and he had re- representatives from all of the all of the companies led by kadani saying you know Obviously, these aren't all of my companies, but I'm happy to be kind of a public face. And he obviously wanted to get all of these companies in as well. So, yeah, a little bit of a cl- little bit of a class act. I don't know maybe at this point in time, that's as good as I've seen from anyone in wrestling. Really, just well, think- wanted to bring that up. No, fair enough. One thing I was going to mention as well, like I reckon again, it would if Vincent Mad had had this fucking hell week. Like I reckon I would have done a twenty-minute rant on it. And at this point, like you can call mm. it bias if you like, but I just don't care anymore. <laughs> AEW is still running double or nothing. Dumb decision. <laughs> it's a false equivalent. Yeah, it shouldn't Any be happening. Comparisons a false equivalent. But compared but to the WWE, it be yeah, it's 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 a non-story, isn't it? Like you know. Uh, I still think it's fucking stupid. I still don't think you should be announcing events oh, for May. I don't think they gain yeah. anything from it either. Like the the TV ratings have been shocking the last few weeks. They're down to the six hundred thousands. People don't want to watch MTV. Mate, I've stopped wrestling. watching. Yeah, I've stopped watching, and I don't. You know, I, let's be honest. I'll probably end up watching Summer Double or Nothing because I do a podcast on wrestling. Mm. I don't really want to. Yeah. Like yeah. I've stopped watching, and I'd watched every single episode of Dynamite up until you know the second Empty Arena show, and I just thought I'm sick of this. I just, I'm just going to watch some old product for the time being because it, it's hard watching this, mm. and it just makes me worry for people who are in that position. 
having to do what they're doing and you know they're flouting the guidance to make this product and it's just it's not good and you know big tone he's a better man than vince he's certainly a cooler man than vince <laughs> you see uh, him up there with private party that photo you sent it to me ben oh yeah it was, I said that. <laughs> it was a good picture uh i'd like to be there myself at some point good yeah, yeah, I'd like to think even Scott Parker are uh, probably going to be out at some point in London as well after a Fulham game. Round Hammersmith. Uh, you are? Round Hammersmith. Quite possibly, JP, yeah. I think that's where Big Tone's flat is, isn't it? Um, but, yeah, uh, what was I saying? Yeah, no interest in the pay-per-view. Like, uh, just, I just don't want to see wrestling. And, like, I listened to John Moxley on Wrestling Observer Live this week, and he was a great interview. He was a lot of fun. He was really open. He was openly slagging off WWE, and he was openly slagging off how he was told stuff was great in WWE that he didn't like. I was sort of like, good on you, John. You get the, you understand the audience here. You're slagging that lot off. You're not going to have any of the corporate bollocks. You're a top bloke. And he almost got me interested in that swagger match, and I didn't watch it, and I was kind of glad I didn't. Um, but he almost sold me on it. Did either of you watch it? I didn't watch it. No. I, I was going to watch it before the show, and then I saw it was a 30-minute mm. match, and I was like, no. Look, That's... if we haven't watched it, and we're hardcore wrestling fans who do this fucking podcast, that says so much. Like To me, that speaks volumes. Well, the, the, the problem is, and I, I said it last week, I'll say it again for this one. problem is, is you've got a product that, at this point in time, trying to kind of pretend these storylines kind of have any meaning given the context of the entire global situation in front of an empty arena with no fans you're like why is this here in some ways if you're going to make people feel a bit happier you want to go down the route like the bbc have done with match of their day and stuff like that put on some of the great content you have put on some of those really good sort of promo videos and interviews and stuff like that put together those compilation shows put put them in there like that's that's kind of what it should be at this point in time because if anything else going back and watching some of that retro stuff it's good for a reason because they're in front of crowds and it's it's good fun and you can kind of lose yourself because everyone else in the crowd has kind of lost themselves in these shows JP, so having JP, them go on why bother jp do you know what i watched today what was that I watched uh this world cup classics program the bbc put on the other day a oh, bit of Bit of England Cameroon from 90. Oh. Bit of uh, oh. Germany Italy from the 1970 World Cup. That game was wild. Is that the eye player? Uh, yeah, it is. It is. Brazil, France from 86. I've seen the highlights of that before. You always hear about that Italy Brazil game from 82. Hmm. Brazil, France from 86 looks like an absolute wild ride. That penalty shootout at the end as well. Absolutely insane. When Platini puts it over the bar, Jesus. But that was a that was a great lunch there today watching that. And also the uh, Holland Spain is a game. great World Cup. You need to kind of see a big summary of the 86 World Cup. Like oh, that. no. That was I, my first it was awesome. Don't worry, mate. I have done before in the past. But, yeah, it was great seeing what? that again. And then they had the uh, Holland-Spain uh, game from 2014, the 5-1 oh. game, where Van oh. Persie scored that insane header. Yeah, yeah. oh, it's great. I, I watched oh. Match of the Day last week, and it was like it was literally Gary Lineker, Alan Shearer, and Ian Wright basically doing a, a video podcast. Like, the three of them sat there. They did, like, a countdown of the, uh, I think it was the top 10 managers. Top 10 managers? Yeah, yeah. And it was, it was so just... I saw about 10 minutes. It was a lot of fun. It was, just, it, was like, it was like watching a podcast. It was like watching a YouTube podcast, and just three lads having a chat. And it was like, you know what? 
we don't need proper match of the day right now. I can live with no. this. This is this is good background viewing. I had it on. I enjoyed it. They told some good old war stories. And yeah, that that's yeah. that's the way to go with your programming right now, isn't it? Like you don't need to be the like, push. Why is wrestling special? Why do we think wrestling yeah. special? Why why are wrestling and fighting? Bollocks, right? oh, why is it wrestling Who and fighting? Who needs a storyline for this stuff at the moment? Oh, honestly, I, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's not crazy. fucking Westworld, is it? You can't tell me that, like, AEW <laughs> showing, like, for the next, like, let's say for the next four months, or the next three months, maybe it'll only go that long, they show a couple of hours a week of all the pay-per-views they've got, or they pull some dark matches out or something like that, it's probably gonna, not going to do much less than 500,000, and if they're doing 600,000 now... Call it an off season. Take it, you know, like you know, like every other fucking sport does in the world. Take an off season, come back fresh. You know, let's let's start up yeah. again in September or something. Oh, I, I just don't call get a meeting with TNT. Yeah, has that happened? I haven't heard anything about that happening. And just say, look, this is the situation. We don't want to flout the guidance at this point in time. Like, just do it. Yeah. Like, there's been nothing about Vince having a meeting with Fox or Vince mm. having a meeting with the USA Network, has there? Mm. Which is what has made this situation even worse. It really is. And it's just... And, and again, this I said this at the time, this was an open goal for AEW. Obviously, they look a million times better than WWE right now, but just take the open goal and be the, you know, the... Like, we're all pointing to Ring of Honor and we're pointing to New Japan as, you know, the, the, the people doing things oh, the right way. You mate, know. Tanahashi's comments this week as well. You know, mm. what what a man. Oh, like, mm. It just makes... Uh, Maybe the greatest wrestler of all time, if you ask me. I certainly think he's the best wrestler of the last decade. Um, and again, just shows what a class act he is with those comments that he made this week, where he showed that res- wrestling to him means everything, but there are bigger things than wrestling. Mm. He's not a self-important twat. And you know what? Harold Mage, he deserves some credit during this as well. You know what I'd like to see? I'd like to see when wrestling comes back, uh, Harold Mage versus Vince McMahon. That'd be great. Squash match for Mage. Fucking kill the bastard. <laughs> I've enjoyed that. And he deserves it as well after all the stories that came out. Do you see all the stories that came out? Like, we're all... Howard Finkel died this week. That would normally be a lead story. I'm sorry it wasn't. But, like, yeah. that's something that's came out this week, isn't it? Like, there'll be a post on Lovely Christmas. Voice Christians. my child, Stephanie McMahon's posting, like, oh. uh, basically the most corporate kind of RIP you'll ever see about how good he was at his job and nothing really particularly personal. But that's Stephanie McMahon. She's a corporate robot. But loads of stories. She's a that, cunt. She's that too. But a lo- <laughs> a load of stories yeah. have come out, though. Again, like, I don't know. This is the Vince McMahon podcast, really, because, like, yeah, there were stories, like, We'd all heard them over the years about him bullying Howard Finkel, but I don't know if you saw that clip that uh, it's Paul Bearer and Jim Cornette on one of those. I keep calling Dark Side of the Ring Secrets of the Ring because of the old ROH shoot interview series. The actual <laughs> sh- Secrets of the Ring shoot interview series where he's like, yeah, they literally like made him cry. Like they like they, they treated them horribly. They they when he went in the Hall of Fame, they spent four years teasing and pretending that was his year, and he'd get all excited, and then it wasn't his year. And then and then to top it all off. WWE, I think it's the BT, BWE on BT or the WWE on Fox, one of those Twitter accounts, posted like a video of like, oh, remember, R.I.P. or Howard. And it's that video of him announcing CM Punk against Alberto Del Rio at Madison Square Garden. And it's this real emotional moment for him as a human being. You know, I've seen people who were there live in the building saying how great it is. And the video that WWE uploaded themselves is just ruined by Michael Cole. And I think it's Jerry Lawler just doing, you know, that shitty heel Michael Cole act all over it, calling him fat, laughing at him, getting upset. And they posted that. They didn't even take the commentary off the clip before they posted it. Like, oh, even that story happened. 
this week and I couldn't help but like go, yeah, on the one hand, he's the, he's the voice of my childhood and I feel terrible about it and I've got loads of memories of him. And then the other side's like, what a cunt Vince McMahon is. Like, it says yeah. everything, doesn't it, that he was the best ring announcer like we will ever see in our lifetimes. And he was done in the, like, what, 20 years ago? You know, probably 10 mm. years before it should have happened, 15 years before it should have happened. Like, that just, yeah, that, you can't avoid that part of the story, even if, you know, we all do want to sit and share amazing memories of the voice of our childhood. It seems like there's a culture of bullying ring announcers as well, though, because mm. Justin Roberts had a pretty hard time after Howard Finkel as well, didn't he? Mm. So it just seems like they're Commentators, Jim Ross. Yeah, it's yeah. like classic Dave Penza had it, didn't he? As well, yeah. when he classic was bully boy tactics. You know, these the Vince McMahon is the fucking Biff Tannen, and these are a load of George yeah. McFlies who are out there, basically. Mm. You know, I'd love to see Justin Roberts up and give Vince a right. God, it really feels like I want you know some sort of like <laughs> fascist kind of action taken on Vince McMahon, doesn't it? Jesus, I'm getting. Quite well, you want it to be held to account properly, which is the thing he never does. So it feels like you're screaming into the fucking abyss as these fucking shower of chances get away with it again mm. and in the case of the fink as well yeah I, to be honest he could probably still be doing it today yeah like for the most part if he, was he should have had that yeah. big send-off because really i mean I, i'll always have that reverence for like a gary michael capetta and there's obviously oh, that, same yeah and i always say justin roberts really good but finkel on the big stage with that kind of the the the, the tone of his voice yeah and the way that he delivers it the you know yeah, exactly. Um, and he is, you know, he's he's one of the greats. And it's just like they did it to Jim Ross. And uh, what they did to Ross was horrible, but they, mm. they seemed to do it to a lesser degree. But it just sort of kept him there. And he was like the kind of resident historian as well. So he kind of knew lots. Of, he's someone who could have been utilised perhaps so much more, certainly on screen. Mm, yeah, that's it. And he was, he's the first employee as well that they love to remind you of. Um, but it sounds like he had a fucking tough run, which is just horrible to, to think about, really, with how loyal he was to the company. Yeah. But, you know, shouldn't be lost how good he was, though. Like, my God, like, honestly, like, awesome. Every, every big moment of, because really, to be honest, when, when they stopped using him was when WWE went shit anyway, and it's been shit for the entire time he wasn't around. So really, every good memory I've got of WWE has probably got his voice in there somewhere, save for the odd time. That he, what was the other bloke they used in the, uh, during the Attitude Era? Um, Jimmel. Uh, aside from the time the Chimmel would jump in, or, and then they brought Lillian Garcia in, didn't she? Oh, I think he was bullied as well, wasn't he? Was yeah. he? Is that the story? Yeah, yeah I think JBL was on him in oh, a big way, and it, JBL and Michael Coast made really derogatory comments about him oh, on Cobblestone. Well. Horrible. Yeah. I just thought a horrible place to work it must be, but yeah. Despite that, though, yeah, like every childhood memory I've got of like the big 80s show, the early 90s show, of every title change, really, it's Howard Finkel's voice in my ears, because, mm. yeah, just... Utterly incredible. There won't be another one like him. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't know. I was going to say you want to change subject, but the next thing I've got on my list is the Snooker documentary. So <laughs> I'm going to get another beer. I don't know if you guys want to talk about that or if you've got more, more uh, something more uh, lighthearted you want to talk about, JP. <laughs> well, Joe, I know you said to me that this, and I agree with you on this, that this is the weakest of the series. Yeah, so it wasn't far. good, was it? No, it wasn't. I'm trying. I've been trying to put my finger on why it wasn't very good because it kind of has all the components of what you'd imagine to be a really excellent documentary. But it just, I don't know whether or not because there's none of the kind of the fact that Snooker is dead. Obviously, mm. kind of there's a kind of horrible resolution to that. 
it's it's light on detail. It that is light my, on detail. That was my problem with it. It skims past detail, and those that can provide detail are not given enough of a platform and not in the final edit enough or are ignored. Like Irv M- Muchnick has been on um, Wrestling been on Observer Radio case. before. For a long time. Yeah, though. yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he's great on the subject, and he was hardly in the documentary. He worked with the family for years. He's barely in the documentary, but um, Rikishi's brother, what's his name, Tonga Kid, yeah. seemed to get a lot of screen time, but they kind of gave a platform to someone who seemed like he was lying and was kind of confused over a lot of the detail of it. And it was kind of like, oh, really? Like, this is not helping this is not a benefit i get using don morocco he was on there a hell of a lot and he didn't really add a great deal to the documentary i just thought there was a lack of any detail like they had that um detective there who investigated the case and he looked like an absolute idiot that detective and i did He's not made up under- to be a fool guy yeah i didn't understand what he was doing on there like i just don't see how he thought he was going to come out of that well in any way, mm. but they didn't use him enough and they didn't scrutinize him anywhere near enough. I didn't think so. I just thought the final edit was, was weak, was really, really weak. And I thought there was a lot more they could have done with the sisters as well about the kind of plight of it and the journey they'd gone through. I also thought there was no point in having snookers like most recent wife on there. I'm not really sure what she added. And she almost gave like an emotional stance to it and humanized Snooker a little bit when I didn't really feel like that was necessary considering he killed this person and got away with it. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, who wasn't held to enough account and they didn't investigate enough. <laughs> the man who has been the subject of this document documentary, this, which we make <laughs> documentaries, yeah. this podcast. Six fucking stories, parts, mate. mate. Plenty to get through. I think we can make a great documentary about that bloke. It would yeah. be a fucking hatchet job and a hit piece, but it would be good. <laughs> it would be proper good. I'd have yeah. time for a podcast that might be quite good for that. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. You we'll just save that. that. Yeah. Well, got- JP, I'll tell you what, Jerry McDevitt would be taking a trip to Oxford if we ever made that documentary. <laughs> yeah, he would be. <laughs> and we'd be running. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah, get, he got off lightly, though, didn't he? Like, it was just like, it was really? like a passing reference. I thought the the briefcase story that you hear all, all the time whenever this comes up, I thought that was going to be a heavy part of the documentary. And it wasn't really, was it? It was kind of a those sound. Those sound clips I picked up are basically the only times that it's mentioned. Mm. And that's, and that, like you say, that's really worrying because really the whole thing hinges on what happened in that meeting. Why does he get away with this? That's where you come down to. It'd be like having the jinx and it's just a case of he gets arrested for the guy in Texas who he found, you know, there's a clear connection that he cut up his body and tried to dump it and he's been caught red handed. And it just shows him then he's kind of released. And then you mention it in two lines, what happened in the court case. You'd be like, what happened? How, <laughs> how could you allow that? How, how did this happen? Oh, we don't really need to go into detail on it. And unfortunately, this meeting is kind of the center hook of, of a lot of this documentary. When you went away, Ben, I was just trying to put my finger on it. And it, it kind of is that. It really is that. It's the fact of how did he get away with it? Um, we're not going to we, we can't answer that. And so it's like, right, well, you're going to really struggle then in that case. And rather, unfortunately, they, they could have done two hours like they did with the Benoit one. I wouldn't say there'd be enough 
interest really in that. But the kind of depth and detail you'd need to go into 45 minutes and that fluff with the Tonga kid doesn't need to be there, Man. does it? Yeah. Morocco only needs to be there to explain. Stuff. Exactly. As a lot with the rest, of, and at the centrepiece, it was probably like protecting the boys, protecting the boys, protecting the boys. You know, so it, I think these stuff. documentary makers are a bit cowardly, to be honest. Like they did a really good job with the Benoit piece, but there's Absolutely. no one, there's no like with the Benoit piece, the man's dead, the man committed the crime, right? With the snooker piece, there's still people you can implicate, and I don't think they've got any interest in implicating people. I think they just want to kind of put this documentary out there because Vince. His hands are dirty in this, and I think they were kind of cowardly in not going harder on him yeah. with that. And I think that is a real shame. I don't know if that's maybe something based around using WWE footage or licensing or something, or Vice being scared to do that. I've got no idea, but it feels like there's a sort of cowardly element with these documentary makers, and they're very easily kind of swayed by certain people and certain details. Yeah, New Jack case in point. The fact they didn't end up using Meltzer from what we hear is based around Bruce Pritchard's podcast. I think that says a hell of a lot. Um, yeah, so I do, I do think there is a sort of weirdly cowardly element to how they kind of end up producing some of these shows. And for as entertaining as some of them have been as well, I really enjoyed the Brawl for All episode, even though it was kind of mm-hmm. nonsense in many ways. But yeah, this needs to be a lot more serious and it needed to explore this in a lot more detail and kind of have the courage of its convictions and it, it just didn't have it. It just felt like it was, I don't know, it wasn't interested in doing that. And also they some of the manipulation of a narrative. Yeah, Snooker's career was downhill after that. Like Snooker still got regular work. He still did he still worked in Japan afterwards. I think he did the tag league with Brody afterwards. There was that famous tag league they walked out of in I think it might have been, might have been 86. He worked for WWE again afterwards as well. Uh, I think he had that match of Undertaker at WrestleMania 7. He was then in ECW in the early days. Like, all right, yeah, he ended up at these conventions and stuff, and he was a bit more broken down. But he wasn't out of pocket for years and years, as they tried to claim. Like, yeah, it wasn't good. It wasn't good at all. Just, just too light, just lightweight. That's it. And that was, yeah. It was background viewing. I did on. I was sitting there playing my FIFA 18 career mode, and it was just like, yeah, this, this is not. It, it's barely going into the detail that like the coverage of it a few years ago went into it. It's just a, a recap, really. It's a recap of a story you already knew. Um, yeah, I was hoping to more out of this. I think the Benoit episode just set such a a high bar, didn't it? That everything since has just been really, really lightweight feeling. Uh, I don't know. It makes me worried for the Owen Hart one. I'm think I was just thinking that. I wonder, you know, is it going to be like Benoit quality, or is it going to be like the rest of these stories? Do you know if that's a one part or a two part? JP, is that a one parter? I don't know. It should be a two part. I think it's really. One. It, oh, uh, Watch some great uh, Owen Hart a... matches this week. We were doing. Maybe mates have been doing like a um, like a, you both know like a, a watch along thing where we all pick matches based <laughs> on a certain category. We did no ring night the other night. I picked that uh, that scrap heat match that WCW picked, and we had two oh. two Ken Shamrock and Hart matches in there. The Lions then won with the cage uh, by the entranceway, and one that I'd forgotten was as good as it is the dungeon match in Stu Hart's dungeon, where they somehow oh, turned SummerSlam '98. Yeah, they turned like a match that would be like it's like you know when you used to wrestle in your front room 
And, like, you'd use the wall as a weapon and you'd use the couch as a weapon. That's basically what they're doing, but, like, in a more serious way. It's a fucking great <laughs> little match. Like, they do a really good job. And to be fair, the lines of their match is quite good for that reason as well. It was a real uh, underrated gem um, of just, yeah, it just got me set. It set me thinking about Owen Hart, to be honest. And, yeah, how unfortunate, you know, to say the least, his career went. But, yeah, a couple of real uh, Owen Hart classics in there. Oh, Mark Ford watching a bit of Owen Hart now you mentioned that. There I saw go. saw him in the Bulldog when they had a match with the um uh with the Can Ams. Mm. And that 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 was and that was great. Yeah, I know you're a big uh, Can Ams guy, yeah. They, to me they were just fairness. Well, WH Park guys where you said I had able to see a lot of stuff on that. It's gratefully appreciated in these lockdown times. Uh, poor, poor 1996 me just thought saw them as these two jobbers coming into WWF. I yeah. didn't quite realise uh, yeah, that they, uh, they were quite as good as they were. Found that out in later years, though, but yeah, Jesus, what a, what a way to introduce <laughs> yourself to them. Uh, I don't know, while I was watching that, have you guys been watching anything else this week? Anything else you want to talk about um, before we do get out of here? I would like to mention Riptide, okay. um, which I know, Benno, you're going to be reviewing on um, British Wrestling Experience, so you haven't yeah. got around to, to see yet. And Joe, I know you haven't you haven't got around to seeing it. So um should say, full disclosure, sent um a screener copy. A few few of us were, um, in order to go through and review. Um shock horror lads. It was a really good fun riptide show. Oh good. They, that was a different venue. Yeah. Uh, it was at Brighton Youth Centre. And it was a um Oh, what do they have? So he had like graffitis on the wall because I think it's mainly used as a kind of like there's various things going on there, but I think it's used a lot for skateboarding. Mm. So they put some ramps up on the insides and stuff. So they've got this kind of mesh fencing and it's sort of interesting. And Joe will know from sort of having gone to the Brighthelm before, it's like a, it's a, it's basically a church hall mm. um, that they managed to do up like that. And this kind of gives it a bit of a kind of it's slightly more underground feel really that and i'm not saying it's just different to the bright helm if they're going to go but i don't know if they're going to go between the two venues or they're going to end up going to the brighton youth center um but i would say it's definitely good because even though it was very dark at points and they have this kind of spotlighting that they have on the ring and it still really worked and the camera work being so fluid as it was was really sort of close up and it was two hours and it was a very easy watch I would say in terms of watching what was a fun Brit rest show with, and we've said it before in terms of the land of the misfit toys where, where people are used really well, felt oh. like another one of those shows felt really good. And I have to say in terms of, I thought the highlight of it was, um, there's two really for this. They're Travis Banks, Chuck Mambo. And it was the best I've seen of Banks. I'd say since what 2018. I want to say, remember Travis Banks? Jesus, like you said that. Yeah. Day, I was like, Surely you got this wrong. <laughs> I didn't realize yeah, no, he was no. on the show. I'll be honest, I'm well, they... I'm behind on uh, on catching up on that. So I didn't even know he was on the show. Jesus. Well, yeah, as you guys know, sort of like the top line kind of stars, uh, the people they use in the top positions there, to, Mam- Mambo, TK Cooper. So it was kind of linked into that because TK Cooper was wrestling Warren Banks, who me and Joe saw at the um, you. Know, United Wrestling Show, Joe. Um, yeah, and he is very raw, but he has something for that. And like, it was kind of, and TK Cooper in this environment, him and Mambo, they feel very confident. They kind of look like this is the right place, right surrounding. We say, you know, sort of going up to the bigger, 
bigger matches and the bigger sort of stage may not be ready for that. And it kind of that's why Travis Banks was implicated because Mambo's been in a bit of a funk since he lost the, the Brighton Championship. So he got Travis Banks in to have this really good match with him, which was really great fun towards the end. And it was like, oh God, yeah, I used to remember watching these. These, these were great fun, especially going to them live. Um, <laughs> you don't get to see them, but it was a good 20 minutes. And, you know, in the end, Mambo ends up losing, but absolutely fine. And the other one was another match I really liked was Coronoir, Mike Bird. And I know, Joe, you quite like Mike Bird, and I've always quite enjoyed Mike Bird for this. And they they had a really good, they had a like set of promos before each match. They they had a kind of interesting theme of it having sort of looking like a TV, and and they had these kind of old graphics. And I'm going back to Storms in Brighton, mm. and they had a really good promo where Mike Bird was was sat there, and um, he's talking about like. Car and Noir sort of treating it as like performance and he's about winning and he's more about a wrestler, which is a kind of gimmick that obviously we've all seen and it kind of works well on the indie scene because it's kind of a natural heel to have in there. But Bird, Mike Bird, some of the times I've seen him, he works really fucking hard and his bumping was great and they were brawling through the crowd at various points because they've kind of set up like this is a kind of big grudge match and in the end, it was like a double DQ and because uh, they both ended up hitting referees at various points. And Noir did a big flip over the turnbuckle into Bird and everybody else. So it was kind of, it was really good because it was very different to everything else on the card. It was much more of a brawl. I hadn't really seen Noir in that type of environment. And he was good. He was, he was very, very good. And Mike Bird is kind of like one of their kind of upper mid card heels, like perfect for this kind of environment, this type of promotion. They're the two matches that I would say were the best. Um, fun opener with Gene Money and Millie McKenzie against um, Paul Robinson and Damon Moser. Um, I saw WH Park say that Millie McKenzie was like Candice LeRae in PWG, and it kind of had a big feel of that. Um, oh, do you mean however, as a character? Well, yeah. Ba- uh, basically, in terms of the way that she's kind of going toe-to-toe in, his inter-gender match, in the intergender matches, mm. like... I, I could see, like, there, there was kind of felt like that. Uh, had that kind of had that kind of ring to it. I think Gene Money's really improved. And now I've seen kind of sparingly because I think 2019 was kind of like the big breakout year for him. But I think he's really improved. He looks like he's he, you know he's getting himself into good shape. Robinson's fucking great. Moses a henchman. You know that that's what it is for a British indie show. It's a, as it was as a perfect opener. The main event, as much as I like Jordan Breaks, and I love the promo at the beginning, the package they use at the beginning is really good because it kind of sets him up as he's being from Brighton. He votes in Brighton Youth Centre. So he, it was <laughs> like, you know, they were setting him up as the big hometown baby face. Trevay was, was there, but uh, the issue was it just went too long. And again, he's perfect in this environment. And you'll know this as well. You both have, have seen sort of enough of the Riptide shows. But for me as a match, it just went too long. And it sort of felt inevitable where this was going. As soon as Robinson and Mose went to the back, I thought, ah, oh, they're going to be involved at the end, aren't they? And that's pretty much what had happened. Um, but it, yeah, so it just kind of really felt like that wasn't the direction they're going to go in. It feels like they're going to go with Mambo in there as well. But if you're looking for a two-hour show 
and you fancy if you've cancelled your wwe subscription give your money to a company like riptide and i know that's a full disclosure i sent a screen a copy of it we get on really well with guys from riptide as well give that money to an indie promotion and I, you could do a lot worse than riptide the quality of it's really good if you're not going to do them there's loads of other ones out there as well give it to them just mm. the key point don't give it to WWE if I can work it back onto that as well. So, Benno, when you're reviewing it for BWE in a couple mm. of weeks, you'll really enjoy it. Yeah, once I've seen it, I'll mention it on here as well. But, yeah, that's the, the thing about Riptide is, like, it's a, you know you're going to get good production. You know you're going to get, like you yeah. say, it's not going to outstay its welcome. You get There's a two-hour runtime on this thing. So it's going to be mm. a, an easy watch when, when I do get to it. But, yeah, that's, that's the other thing. You're giving money to people who, who probably deserve it more than the, uh, the cunts over at WWE. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it, and it, I know they're, they're, they're not, a, not yet, or not the moment, a, a promotion list of the grapple. Any star ratings for us, JP? We're very, we're very short on, it, on star ratings Ooh. this week. Any, anything we there, are, aren't we? The, go up well, to three. I suppose having a crowd there probably adds an extra star, I would say, at this point. That's another reason to probably go and watch it, isn't it? To be able to yeah. watch new wrestling that's got a crowd that's not NXT UK, which was uh, still, still inexplicably running until a couple of weeks ago uh, with the tape they still had in the can. Yeah, it was the last show they were able to do before the, um, uh, before the lockdown. Mm. And they were setting up for the Riptide Rumble, which I kind of hope that'll be the first show they come back with. Mm. And it, obviously you want to do that with fans as, as as well, because that would be something that would be really great. Mm. Um, really good fun for that. Um, yeah. Sorry, Ben, I completely forgot what, what you were, you well, just no. said before. That. <laughs> yeah. I would just say, I would just say definitely go. Yeah, definitely watch this really yeah. like just that environment. And I know Benno, we've said it's, it's just an awkward bastard of a place to get to. Yeah. One day, one day I'll make it down. Yeah. And I do hope that, that, you know, they are still running after this because you know, there are I promotions do. coming out outright cancel on the shows for the entirety of the year at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, like I don't, I don't think there's going to be a Brit scene this year. I really don't. Uh, and I worry for, for promotions like Riptide. Or... Is it well and truly dead? It might. You know what? We might actually turn out to have been right, Joe, in the worst oh. possible way. Um, Progress is still selling tickets to their shows. Like They've got like, US shows coming up, and they're still selling tickets as if they're going to wrap in the summer. Uh, yeah. I, I, have Red Pro cancelled their May show yet? Run Surely Florida, they can't they? Yeah. Surely they yeah. yeah. I mean, even that, though, like, I, I've... I was looking in work at booking the day off for you know the rescheduled date. When's the when's the rescheduled one for fourteenth um, of August? Fourteenth of August. I mean, ooh. Um, I'm not even confident about that at this yeah. point. Like, I think you know, gradually, who, who knows what the fuck's going to go on? I'm no expert, mm. but I think with lockdown, we'll come out of it gradually. And you know, I think you know m- myself and JP will probably end up at back at work maybe mm. by September. But a, a pub's going to be open. A restaurant's going to be open. What are the size of social gatherings you're going to be allowed to attend at that point in time? You know, I think, I think it's going to have to be a gradual thing, isn't it? It can't be an overnight like now go get yeah. on with your life sort of thing. So, who knows if live wrestling Trump shows are going to be able to happen? Well, uh, mate, like I said at the start, that twat and all the other twats, all the other alphas, are trying to force this, and it's like it's just so fucking dumb. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, it's the right thing to do to hold off, and hopefully, yeah, uh, you know, Brit doesn't that hold off too. I know WXW have said that they've uh, basically the German government have said no live, ga- no gatherings, no no live shows uh, until I think it was something like August, wasn't it? JP was uh, the statement they put yeah. out at least 
Um, so I guess we'll see. So yeah, I think right now the only British wrestler that's actually working is Jimmy Havoc. Like he's still getting work because he's based out in America now. I think that's it. Kip Sabian. <laughs> oh yeah, I suppose there's Kip as well. Yeah. Oh yeah, Jack Gallagher on Raw too. Uh, not Raw. Two hundred five. Is he as his if job? He's getting on Raw at the moment. He's still employed and he's doing that too. Even with that tattoo, because to be honest, on site I would have thought Vincent Sacken once he got that tattoo. Hey, how did Spud? get the sack and Jack Gallagher kept his job. Can I just say what I thought that that bloody sacking was like? I forgot to say it earlier when we were talking about it, but the way they were announcing those sackings, like I thought to myself, you know what? They're struggling for content at the moment. There's nothing interesting they're doing. They should have basically with the sort of lack of class um, and kind of gratitude they did it with. They should have basically done like a live, like battle bowl type situation (laughs) where you had Vince just pulling names out of a hat. Because it felt like he was just pulling out of names out of a hand. He's still yeah. fired. Fired. Like, you could have brought Battle Bowl back um, <laughs> and basically done it as, like, a firing thing. Like, Anderson, you're gone. And you could have brought the old you're fired gimmick back. Like, you know, I've never seen WWE do Battle Bowl. And I thought Battle Bowl was kind of shit in the first place, you know. Combinations like Jushin Liger and Bill Kazmaier tagging together. But if there was any time to bring it back, it would have been Vince kind of lording over people losing their jobs at this point. Yeah, maybe that's what the, uh, the 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 corporate climb the ladder ladder match or whatever the fuck it's called is going to uh, turn into. You know, what it felt like that was the other guy. I didn't make the point. Like you know, when the day when all of the releases were coming, it was it was like if you ever play a game of EWR and you play like any company that's dot WWE, every game you play day two. There's like 50 WWE releases because they're overbloated and they've got too many wrestlers for the database to handle. That's what it felt like that day, like that big release day, like a first day in EWR. Uh, speaking of which, I'll be able to play that actually. That's what I'm going to be doing next weekend. Uh, TW's uh, 2020 version is coming out. JP, I'll be turning into you. I'll be sat there on the uh, on the laptop doing the uh, the wrestling equivalent of Football Manager. Yeah, I think it's the the preview version, like the, the beta testing version for a week that comes out next Friday. So that's uh, that's good timing for uh, another long weekend. I've never got. I've never really gotten into it. This is the time. This might well be the time if I was ever going to get into it. But um, yeah, like I said, I'll be playing more sort of PS4 with the kids. Mm. Metal Gear Solid Five. <laughs> I won't even bother to try and explain to you. It's wild shit, but good fun. Amazing. Ugh, do you want to tell us what you're up yeah. to, Joe, or anything else to talk about, or should we get out of here? Uh, uh I, I think. I think I'm done kicking off at a sociopath for the night. <laughs> and in fairness, you lads have done a lot of talking over the last few days. Yeah, you'll have to rest settle, those voices. You'll have to settle for a two and a half hour podcast tonight rather than a three yeah. and a half hour one last week. Uh, well, speak- next week, mate, we're oh. going to be you know oh. keep doing the Lord's work again with our WCW stuff, aren't we? So I'm going to save the voice for that. There you go. Yeah. So yeah, next yeah. week we'll be uh, we'll be sitting down with Martin again. It sh- the podcast should be out Friday, uh, depending on editing. Maybe I'll try and get it out to a bit sooner but yeah we're gonna we did our, our 1994 WCW we're gonna jump into into 1997 um I'm gonna tell the people what it is because I feel like people like yeah. to watch, people like to watch the show before the the review it's uh we have settled on it we are doing Bash at the Beach 1987 that's right isn't it JP yep Bash at the Beach 97 run out there get, get your Rodzilla fix in uh there's a fun looking undercard on that one too so yeah we're gonna be talking that with Martin uh this week coming up and uh, seeing how much can change in three years in uh in the 90s uh compare that to what, what three years look like now three years ago 205 Live was already a thing that's how little changes in, the, <laughs> in 2020 Jeez. so yeah it'll be what pretty, I'd uh, say is if you want a bit of pre-watching as well I recommend the uh the main event from Slamboree 97, the uh, Ric Flair, Piper, Kevin, uh, what's his name? Kevin Green. 
Kevin Green against uh, the NWO match. That the, I watched that in the week, and I had a great time watching that. <laughs> it was so much fun. So if you want a bit of preview and get into that one. Oh, amazing. I'm going to do that too. I, I can't re- I've definitely seen it, but I can't remember much about it. Oh, um, mate, it's awesome. It's not like a good match, <laughs> but it's a lot of fun. Like Kevin Green is a good gronk. Mm. He's Gronk who gets the tone right. Yeah, Gronk's an essential worker, mate. So. Oh, amazing. He's still the 24-7 champion, isn't he? Yeah, exactly. That's why he's registered as an essential worker. Direct- yeah. oh, I'll tell you what, you know this corp- uh, corporate get-the-ladder bollocks that's going on or whatever? Mm. You know you've got to get to the top of the building? Yeah. Gronk. I've got another scenario for you. Do you reckon Vince works on the top floor? <laughs> yeah, go on. <laughs> Well, if a bit of a kidnapping takes place, <laughs> <laughs> or they want to do something proper, like they could remake Die Hard, but turn it into a snuff movie. That I will watch. <laughs> that I will pay for the network, and I'll go against everything I've said in the last two and a half hours. Does that need editing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not actually saying anything conclusive there, am I? But, you know, people can come to their conclusions. Uh, send the legal letters to us and not poor Grapple Gareth. Uh, no, <laughs> uh, anything we want to plug, JP? No, uh, other than you two lads, play the Unified podcast. Yeah, there you go. If the hard sell didn't work, oh, BW, yeah. that bloody great. Listen to that, and I also I just want to quickly send a shout out to like uh, some of our listeners. Yes. Um, you know, a regular listener of ours, Ian Evans, uh, sadly died last week. If you're a Rev Pro fan or a Zack Sabre Junior fan, you would have seen uh, a couple of tweets about that. Uh, I just wanted to mention, you know, good friends of ours, the likes of Nick Lemprier and, uh, and some other people too, have have mentioned that there's a GoFundMe, gofundme.com slash Ian dash Edmonds, mm. uh, where people are helping to uh, raise some funds uh, for the funeral and also just for a, a charity of the family's choice as well. So yeah, you know, with him being a, a listener to our podcast, I thought that was uh, absolutely worth uh, shouting out. And also, yeah, our thoughts uh, are with all of the people um, who are grieving at the moment. Uh, but yeah, other than that, uh, again, download the uh, the Grapple app as usual. Uh, follow us uh, on Twitter on all the normal places. And yeah, you can uh, catch us again this week with our WCW special. And I'm sure after that, there'll be plenty of news to catch up. And we'll, uh, we'll try and get back on our number, normal Monday or Tuesday schedule. But again, that's it for us for another episode. We'll see you again on Friday. Bye. See ya. Super, super, super blast.